Hello, everybody. I won't. Hold on, guys. Oh, hello, everybody. Oh, hello. Welcome to the Unfiltered Supporter Show. Hey, Chase. Hi, Chris. So, uh, you know what I... Uh, whoa, hello. Let me dial in there. Hello, hello. Hi there. Hi. Hello. You know what I have right here in my hands? Uh, you have my phone in your hands. I have the uh, the sexist phone. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what it'll now be known as. Oh. Oh. Um. So, how long have you had this now? Uh, Saturday. I, picked, I, I didn't pick it up. I mean, someone uh, anonymously sent me an invite. Anonymally. And... Uh, I have a one plus one in my possession, and I got it on Saturday. Saturday delivery via USPS. How do you like it? So far, um, it's really good. Battery life is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just amazing nuts. Uh, the only problem is right now they're having a, some software hiccups at Cyanogen, and so what kind of hiccups, Chase? Uh, there's a little bit of a battery leak. Per se. So battery life is good, but there could there's, there's it could still even leak. be better. Hmm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, camera's good. Yeah. Uh, screen's excellent. Sound is you know not as great as the HTC well, sure, One. Sure. Sure. Uh, but there's two different cameras. Uh, there's a uh, their Cyanogen camera, and then there's also the Google camera on there as well, the app. But. Uh, the interesting feature of it, did you uh, did you feel the back? What do you feel of that, uh, it's that almost, sandstone? I kind of like that. It's matted almost, almost like a uh, like a, like the top to a playground. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, now the the back covers are removable, but the battery is not replaceable. Okay, uh, so you can interchange the the covers and stuff. Right now, that's all they have available, but they'll have other ones available at some point. Uh, I just bought this cheap thing that I found on Amazon that fixed. So I can put my little mount oh, on the yeah. back. Oh so yeah, you got the little magnet there. Yeah. Okay. So, cool. but uh, it does have NFC. Uh, but as you guys have been seeing and we've talked about, I mean, it's three hundred and fifty bucks for sixty four gigs of deliciousness. Yeah. Uh, very snappy, very fast. It's it's like a Nexus, but better. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good ways. way to put it. Yeah, and bigger. It's quite big. Yeah, yeah. That's the the one thing that kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop. Look at that compared to the iPhone. Oh gosh, yeah. There's no comparison. No, it's not. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the, the cool thing is they, they've got some nice little tweaks to it. I mean, are you gonna like if you put this in your pocket? That's like the only thing going in your pocket, right? Uh, no, I can fit my wallet in there with it. Yeah, because okay. it's thin enough. Yeah, it is uh, thin. But there's like, uh, for example, there's some cool like gestures. Uh, like so, when the screen's off, you can, uh, you know, uh, I think it's a double tap to to wake it up. Cool. So you don't have to like fish around for the power button, right? But the cool thing is the power button's on the side, so you can easily get to yeah, it. I kind of like power buttons on the top, but I know it's so big though. But it's so big, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. would have yeah. to move your hand. Yeah. But the cool thing is, if you draw a circle, it what it will do is it will fire up your camera. Now, right now, I, I installed a new camera app, so, so I have to set it. To so this touchscreen's always on, basically, but only for certain gestures. Right, it, it f- gets ready to feel the gestures, that sort of thing. Huh. That's interesting. Now, here's another cool feature, too. Now, you'll notice there's three capacitive buttons yeah. at the bottom. What you can do... I like physical buttons. I don't like on-screen buttons as much. But, but let's let's say you You could do it, though. I know. You, you can l- do it on all Android, right? Well, well no. Uh, no. Oh, I thought you could. So, so let's say, for example, you're you're not a big fan of the, uh, of the buttons at the bottom. Yeah. What you can do is you can click 
enable on-screen nav bar, and now it turns them off. Oh, it, then, oh, it turns them off. That's not. And then you yeah, can use it. Nice. So, and the, while you might be thinking, well, why would I want to do that? Well, maybe you want a little bit more hand hand mm-hmm. grip. That on makes the bottom. sense. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's that part. Yeah, that part where it turns the buttons off isn't. Uh, and it's got cyanogen on, which is really nice. Yeah, I like cyanogen. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Uh, you probably saw the cyanogen logo on the back. I there. did. Uh, I think it's like a 14 megapixel camera in the back, five megapixel in the front. Um, huh. So, and I'd say weight wise, it's uh, it's well, it's a little heavy, but it's big. I mean, it's got when you have that much glass. Yeah, well, it's you can, be and heavy. a big battery, a 3100 milliamp battery. Interesting. I can't get in the chat room, by the way. Just like oh, you it know. didn't log you in. No. Sorry, buddy. No. no Try to close that. I got hex chat there. I've yeah. never. That's a Windows box day. I don't really. They, so Skype for Linux got all screwed up. Did you hear oh, about this? Oh, no. Yeah. What did they, they pushed out another... Yeah, they pushed out a mandatory update. Mandatory update. Oh, and I can't, get to, I can't get 16 by 9 video with it. What? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So I'm using... Oh, I, no. So I've got an unactivated Windows box here that's like a time bomb. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, it sucks bad. It's... Uh, boy. Oh. So today's been a crazy day. So we had uh, uh, the uh, uh, on the uh, stream... LinuxCon. Noah's down at LinuxCon in Chicago, and we cool. were live streaming some of their stuff. Dude, you, you, I don't know if I'm going to talk about this because I don't want to make because it's not the Linux Foundation's fault, right? But you would not believe what we had to go through. All, like I was fighting this all day. It seriously cut into my unfilter prep in a major way. So check this out. So the Linux Foundation, they're the people that pay like Linus Torvald's paycheck, and they they finance a lot of stuff. Yeah. They they are an organization that's sort of like a caretaker for a lot of the aspects of the Linux community that you would need a centralized company for, right? Right. Because Linux is an open source operating system made by thousands of people, but there are just certain business, tax, legal things you need to have a centralized company to manage all that. Sure, yeah. So the foundation was thing. established. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That so makes sense. Foundation right. puts on this thing called LinuxCon. All right. All right, so uh, they saw our recent coverage, like itself and Linux Fest Northwest and OSCON, and they contacted me oh. and were like, Chris, we would really like you to come out to LinuxCon, and it would be amazing if you could live stream. Well, they did this like on August 1st, and today was August 20th, right? How can they expect right. so, any and logistical? Like, and like, they're like, they were, so, they were so adamant. Not only did they email me, but then they, when I didn't respond after a couple of days, emailed Angela directly. Wow. Right? So they were really like serious about getting a hold of us. Okay. And then like, they were like, I will pay for you to fly out here. Like, I will pay your ticket or whatever. Like, they, were, they, they were like, or we, we can pay up to like $1,100 for media expense or something like that. Right. I'm like, well, okay, we, we don't need to do that. But, boy, you really want us there. I'd love to get a good working relationship with the Linux Foundation, right? So, sure, we'll go. So Noah flies out. Noah, who has a wife, uh, you know, and kids and a business that he owns, right? So Noah flies out to Chicago, goes to LinuxCon today, and goes to get set up. And he walks into the exhibit floor, and he starts going to go, excuse me, sir, sir, uh, is that a union camera? Is what? that a, is that a union? You can't be in here. That's not a union camera. Whoa, what, what? Yeah. So they kick him out. And then they won't let him do any interviews on the on the ex- exhibition floor either. So he can't go in the keynote. He can't go in the keynote rooms, and he can't go on the exhibition floor. No union and non union cameras allowed. That is preposterous. And so this is like this. So this wow. happens like at ten o'clock today. And I had just sent out like on all the social networks. We're going to be live today. Yeah, I, I even retweeted yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Then not a moment after I sent that tweet, I got a vibe from Noah being like, "Hey man, they just kicked me out." And I'm like, "Dude, I just told the internet that we're going to be live streaming." Now, and so then I got I got a hold of people at the Linux Foundation. I'm like, do you really want me to go on air 
and say, sorry, the stream's been canceled because they won't allow non-union cameras on the floor? Like, do you really want me to have to tell people that? Like, right, I, yeah. I, I mean, so I start, yeah. making, I start yeah. making emails and Skype right. calls, you know, and so spent the whole day, like, going back and forth. So uh, literally just before the event really got started, Noah was able to get in there and get a spot set up. That is... Yeah, but I'm really glad I didn't fly out there. I'm glad Noah's handling that. And it's not really the Linux Foundation's fault. I think it is, like, the event company that is running the thing for them. Or, like, the hotel or something like that. And, you know... To be fair, this is this is why unions get bad names, I know. bad reputations. I know. I know. I'm not anti-union, but th- I am anti this kind of crap. And this is exactly exactly right. It is. It's too bad. Uh, and it, it it meant for it, it, what it meant was we didn't have as great of a stream set up as we want because we had to half-ass the well not half-ass no was right. working his ass off. Well, yeah, but, but he's we also had to just rush one guy too. And had, yes, and had to rush it because like no, you can't come in here and set up. No, you can't come in here and set up. Oh, the event's about to start in five minutes. All right, rush in there. You can go set up somewhere. And then he sets up front. Like no, we don't want you up front. You have to go sit in the back. So then he has to go sit in the back of the room. Yeah, that's crap. But they did help us out and get good. Like, but it's not the foundation's fault. It's it's the I think the people that are well, running the place. Well, it's the facility. Yeah, exactly. It's always the facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like for example, I, I've I've participated in holding land parties at the Everett Event Center. Yeah, buddy. And uh, whenever you uh, you need an event that involves electrical, you have to have a union right. electrical guy. Right. Right. And union this, and union that. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Uh, well. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that because like, I see a point of it, but then at the other time that you can obviously take it too far. Total. So are we doing packs on Friday? What's the plan? So well, it's not this Friday. It's oh, next it's, Friday. Oh, okay. it's next week. Oh, I got it all missed. I got it all. I thought it was this Friday. Nope. nope. Send me a thing. No. It's, yeah, it's Labor Day weekend. But I sent you um, a uh, the guidebook. Yeah, uh, that's why I was thinking it was this Friday. <laughs> yeah. Well, the guidebook just came out. Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, in case you guys are wondering. Um, like Linux Fest Northwest and LinuxCon, you know, obviously that's Chris's bread and butter stuff, oh! right? You know, Linux coverage, wall to wall. And by the way, it's sweet cream butter. Sweet cream butter. So what Linux Fest is to Chris, PAX and E3 is to me. Like that's like I'm honing in on my ah. environment kind of a thing. Um, so we're not doing any live coverage because unfortunately data at the Washington State Convention Center is the worst in the world. Not to mention, if you try to do anything cellular, mm. you're with, uh, what, 50,000 other geeks? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to happen. It's, it, is, it is amazing how many geeks have, like, m- like three or four Wi-Fi devices on <laughs> them. Like, that's a very yeah. common yeah. thing. And, like, their DSs, their phones, their, you know, whatever, right? And so, uh, yeah, so, it's, it's not happening. Yeah, so, so here's, here's the deal. I'm going to be doing, doing coverage for four days. Uh, I'm going to uh, kidnap Chris... Boom. For at least one of them. I don't know what your schedule's like that whole weekend. Uh Friday would probably be best. Okay. But. And I and I got that day off. Um but here's here I'm gonna throw this at you. All right, uh, go. Being an independent small outlet yeah. of information yeah. and stuff. Uh, okay. I don't know if I like the way that sounds, but okay. I'll tell you. Well, it. Eric, first off, I already yeah, Chris, so I'm, Chris was number one in, and I'm in the list first, in, and I talked to him I'm first. I'm getting in on a, kind of like a thing. It's like a like a, um, like he already has a crew, and I'm going to be sitting in on one of the crew spots on Friday. Yeah, uh, because he doesn't get off work until late in the evening, and so he wouldn't be able to make it that day anyway. But the rest of the weekend, we'll have that pass taken care of. But anyway, um, so I'm going to throw this out there. I'm trying to want to make an impact and do things that traditional media outlets wouldn't do or ignore. 
Uh, so at PAX, uh, and they had one last year, they have a uh, uh, indie uh, showcase area where you can go over, check out new and upcoming games. We may never see the light of day. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we will. Uh, but this year, I think there's like 30, 35 booths in this little mini PAX indie showcase area. And what I was thinking about doing... It's not just interviewing one, or one two, guy or two guys. Or no, five. no, Chase. No, no. I want to interview them all. What? Every single one of them. Now, I had two two goals, or two crazy aspirations. One, interview every single company in the Indies Showcase, and then the B goal, every single exhibitor at PAX. That's crazy. I know it's crazy. You'd almost have to have like a grid think, plan of attack. Right. Yeah. But go big or go home. Yeah, no, I, I mean, might as well shoot for it. Problem is, is all those indie guys, we get to them when they're working on Linux ports, they'll spend all their time there. I'll be like, so tell me about working on Linux. But I, I think I could do the indie showcase. I think that's an obtainable goal. Probably. Oh, I think so. I, I think it's very Depends attainable. on how big it is this year, but yeah. Uh, but usually, usually, I mean, I don't know if you looked through it, but I think that can happen. Uh, but... No, I haven't looked through yet. I will, though. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm thinking about it, you know. It's it's one of those things where... Hell's to the end, man. I'm trying to, you know, try to break through the uh, invisible wall. Uh, did I say Beagle? What's Beagle? I don't know, Twomp. Twamp. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that's next week. Uh, cool. PAX is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Cool. And, uh, you know, uh, Monday's Labor Day. Are you going to be doing a TTT on that Monday? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. That's a pretty good excuse to take one off, but I hate to meet a beat, miss a beat, too, so I don't know. Because, you know, we could... Oh, PAX is going on then. Well, PAX is at Monday. Uh, so, huh. so Well, I could not do a T3. I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah, so you could, uh, you could And then I could just be on Tuesday. I could play some stuff that I got on Monday. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that's interesting. That's worth that's worth uh, thinking about there, Chase. That's worth thinking about. That's worth thinking about. But yeah, man. Uh, no, I'm, uh, PAX is fun. It's always a great time. And hopefully uh, you, you can uh, expunge yourself on that Friday and have some fun with us. So did you have you been following the news this week? You've been following like the Ferguson stuff and then ISIS? Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the yeah. beheading of the journalist? And- well, la- last night, uh, really, I... I I, first off, I'm going to say it right now, I refuse to watch the video. I'm not going yeah, to watch the video. Yeah, I haven't watched it either, yeah. um, I mean, I almost did, but then I was like, you know, I've watched other videos like that. I've I've seen it. I don't need to see it. No, I don't want to do it. And the only thing I've ever heard of anything from the video is obviously I've seen some stills. Uh, no graphic stills, right, just yeah. the pre-stills. And then uh, some audio of the uh, the alleged, uh, not the alleged, but the, um, the ISIS dude who... Uh, you know, did the thing. Yeah. Um, I think we just need to relax. Maybe uh, watch Obama play a little golf. God. Turns out uh, he came out, did a nice speech about ISIS, and then the very next thing he did, this is it, somebody got ca- video of it. He went out and played some golf. Went out. You see what he's doing right there, though? You see what he's doing right there? What? What's What's he doing right there? Uh, well, he's, he's leaning in and talking to that guy, isn't he? Is he talking to his caddy? No, that's not his caddy. That's somebody he brought golfing with him. Huh. I've watched. You can tell I've watched this a couple times because I'm a masochist. And here's my question to you. Okay. What if these golfing sessions are nothing but off-the-record meetings with these guys that where Obama knows he's not going to have microphones installed or logs? of? Because the other problem with the White House is everybody that comes in and goes out is logged. Right. So you go on the golf course, that might not be logged. Oh. So what if these are like 
what if these are like president's ways of having off-the-books meetings for generations and generations? And as politics become more and more corrupt, the more reason why more recent presidents take more breaks like this is because they have to do more and more business like this outside That's the system. That's an interesting theory. Or he's just a dude... Uh... In his second term, doesn't give an F. Yep, just keep on playing, Barry. You know, you know I playing. heard one other theory uh, uh, on the radio this, this afternoon. Um, so the family of, of uh, one of the, I, either it was the beheaded guy or the other guy that could be beheaded, was on, speaking on CNN. And as they were speaking, then the president came up to the podium. So they had to preempt, they had to basically cut off the interview. Hmm. And then he then he speeds off. You know what else is interesting here is Secret Service kind of acts as like uh, butlers. Secret Service grabs his uh, his uh, his golf club for him and holds it. They're driving the golf carts around. It's like that's like the grunt work well, for Secret what Service. That's what Caddy does too. But I know the Secret Service is playing that role. Anyways, yeah. yeah, yeah. How do we not know the Secret Service has mics aimed at him? Maybe they do. It's How, possible. Does Does Obama know? That's the real question. All right, before we get into ISIS stuff, Chase, yeah, um, I got. Uh, <sighs> why don't we before we get because that stuff's kind of sad. Why don't we do an Assange update? What do you say? All right, you know what he's up to? He's getting out of there. Yeah, the founder of the WikiLeaks whistleblowing service, Julian Assange, will be giving a press conference today from inside the Ecuadorian embassy in London. It's now been two years since he took refuge there, knowing very well he'll be arrested if he steps outside. We spoke to an investigative journalist and friend of Assange, Kristin Tramsen. I never expected it to be uh, such a long time, and it's uh, absolutely outrageous. But he has been in the Ecuadorian embassy for more than that, actually, than more than two years, because he uh, entered the embassy on June 19th, 2012. So uh, his human rights are being violated, and the situation must come to an end. It goes without saying that uh, this, uh, of course, uh, has an effect on the well-being of the individual to be in an enclosed space and not being able to uh, be outside even. This is even this is a worse const, uh, condition than uh, in most prisons. At least people get at least one hour uh, outdoor a day. Uh, he hasn't been outside for more than two years. Well, he puts his head out the window. Is that not outside? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think that counts. I don't think that counts. They don't Maybe have a, he just wants to go play golf. Do they not have a backyard at the embassies, really? Well, not not big enough to play golf in, Chase. What? Not big enough. Well, miniature golf, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Practice your putting. Uh, so let's play this clip here. Uh, Officer-involved shootings escape the FBI scrutiny. This is just throws this clip. It's not. I don't think anything too surprising for you guys, but it throws some interesting stats in your face, Oregon. The shooting of Michael Brown is just one of many examples of the use of lethal force by police. And as a result, we've seen the incident resonate with people across the country. So far, vigils have been held in more than 90 cities. In Los Angeles, residents are not only rallying for Michael Brown's justice, they're also protesting in the name of Ezel Ford, a 25-year-old man shot by the police on August 11th. Like Brown, Ford was also unarmed. According to the FBI, over the past several years, approximately 400 people have been shot and killed by police each year. And of those, roughly 100 are African-American. Look at that. Most of the statistics on the use <laughs> of firearms by police are estimates, simply because agencies often don't report those numbers. In fact, as reported by the USA Today, only 4% 
of the 17,000 law enforcement agencies contributed their data to the FBI. In terms of police casualties, so far this year we've seen 27 officers shot and killed. There you go. Uh, wow. Just a chat room just linked us to, uh, look at this, uh, Chase, uh, this link here about uh, protesters uh, gathering outside of the CNN headquarters. You seeing this? Uh, are they gathering because of that? This is yesterday because of Ferguson coverage. Well, I thought one of the CNN anchors, I was reading about this either, yeah, it was today. Suggested the water cannons? Suggested the yeah. water hoses, yeah, yeah, cannons. Yeah, yeah. Turns out people didn't like that. Huh. I wouldn't like that, honestly. Either. Huh, that's weird. That's weird. All right. <sighs> let's do this. Okay, so uh, now we're going to get into, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we'll work our way in, actually. President yeah. Obama is in. So Obama has to uh, take a break, obviously, to make good face. To, to, to keep, to save face? What's that saying? What's that? To keep face. Keep face? Is that save the same? Face. Save I face. Think, I think they're both appropriate. So he's uh, he's going to uh, take a break from Martha's Vineyard. He comes back to Washington, although he's not wearing a tie. Just because he's back in D.C. does not mean he's going to wear a tie, so stop asking him to wear a tie. Hey, uh, just something for you to marinate on, maybe why this clip plays. Uh, next unfilter, the 27th. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I don't know about this. I don't know how the audience is going to react to this because we haven't done this since we went crowdfunding, but I'm thinking we just take that week off unless something big breaks and then we do a supporter show late in the week because that Wednesday I'm going to Dylan's school during the day and then the fair in the afternoon. There's no way I'll have time to prep a show on the 27th. Well, the only problem that I'm is running. Is that PAX? That's PAX. That's the week of PAX. Yeah, so and we I, might, and we might not be able to do a show that And week. I need that Thursday to prep. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking... We're going to have to break it to people that there's... You know what I still might be able to do is put together a supporter sync of clips or something. Are you not free on that Tuesday evening that week or... It's just I don't think going to be enough time. Oh, fair enough. Um, let me think about that. I'll okay. think about that while we listen to this next clip. And you're, that, you're going to let it marinate. Yeah, I'll let it marinate. Interrupting his Martha's Vineyard vacation later tonight, flying back to Washington for a series of meetings over the next two days. Our chief White House correspondent, Major Garrett, joins us now from Martha's Vineyard. Major, Major, couple issues here. First, Ferguson. The president says he's been watching. What is the White House saying tonight? Well, not only has the president been watching, Jeff, but he's been able to confer all the time he's been here on Martha's Vineyard face-to-face with the two most important administration officials. This is all about get the message out because we've been eating it so bad about Obama's vacation. Let's get the message out. Let's make sure we mention that he's got people here. Let's make sure he's mentioning that he's here and he's working. Let's make sure we drop names, drop some names. That way everybody knows Obama is working. Dealing with the unrest in Ferguson. I wanted to add one thing about this. Yeah. You know, to be fair and to give the president a little, you know, hey, I got your back, bro. Because, you know, remember, I'm friends with everybody. Right. You're his buddy. I miss Brady. You know, I got to stick up for my friends. You know, this president is probably the most connected president of our of of the of our life to this point, right? You know, he's got BlackBerry. He mm. gets con, con, constant reports. Sure, sure. He's he got an daily, iPad. I mean, that makes him high tech. He gets daily briefings. He can basically do his job from know, anywhere know, on the planet. I know. I know. And well, I don't know. If that's true because I bet. So? Here's why. Okay. I bet. I bet just being in D.C. and like being near like. Like the you know right uh, the, like being the advisors in the is better and, than telecommuting yeah like because right? there's people that come into the White House that he can fair enough yeah yeah I'm just saying you know a lot of people out there get all 
really pissed right. off, like, oh, he's he's on vacation. Right, like it's like like it's Reagan up in here, and it's the early '80s, and we can't uh, you know have a decent internet connection with full with full right. data feeds and right. all that. And, stuff. and it's not like he's not getting informed. Dude, he's not like he doesn't think know what's about. Going on. This is right. the freaking United States military and government working on this. Think about probably the infrastructure they have. Probably more fiber going to this one vacation home than any other vacation <laughs> home in the rest of the world. Right, Martha's Vineyard. They have dialogue, but yeah. his, right. his well, house, yeah, yeah. he's got gigabit. <laughs> I, so I do, I do agree there. But you do see, like, you can hear, like, Major's been given some talking points by the White House press. That's touch right. on these things yep. because we yep. need the American people to know Obama's working for them. He's right. been here in Martha's Vineyard, face to face with the two most important administration officials dealing with the unrest in Ferguson, Missouri. Attorney General Eric Holder and Senior White House Advisor Valerie Jarrett have also been here vacationing on Martha's Vineyard and coordinating the federal response. Attorney General Holder. I think uh, uh, Valerie Jarrett will be, I hope, I hope that uh, when books are written about, which I assume books will be written about Obama's presidency, I hope when they are, the connection and the role of Valerie Jarrett is fully explored because I don't quite understand. Apparently, Valerie Jarrett is like this top-level advisor to Obama since day one, since he was a candidate. And if I'm understanding this correctly, and I might not be, but don't take my word for it, but she doesn't actually have an official government position other than the one he's assigned her, but yet she advises him on all matters. So how does she get paid? I don't... I mean, she must have... There must be some position that she takes. Right. But it's not like it's an elected position or or, or well, even like well, an appointed a, position by a, somebody else besides Obama. Well, it's a section of his cabinet, right? Yeah. And I don't quite fully understand what her role is exactly, and it's I haven't dug too deep into it, but I'm just hoping at some point down the road we'll get a good kind of like full. I'll I'll, uh, I'll consult the book of knowledge as yeah, we find I, out more from the right. president. Vacationing on Martha's Vineyard and coordinating the federal response. Attorney General Holder has been working with the Justice Department, the FBI, and taking steps as announced today to have that second autopsy of Michael Brown. At the request of the Brown family, Valerie Jarrett has been conferring with civil rights leaders and Democratic Governor Jay Nixon to have a less aggressive presence, but also to make sure the investigation is thorough and transparent. Also, a lot of Iraq news, uh, Major. We're going to have more on that in just a minute. But uh, from your perspective, the president has a couple high-level meetings tomorrow. What is the White House saying about, about their strategy on Iraq moving forward? Well, the most important development in the last week, Jeff, has been the decision by Nouri al-Maliki, the former prime minister, to step down from power and do so peacefully. A week ago, that did not appear peaceably. either likely and in some instances even possible. But the administration spent months working behind the scenes, <laughs> working with the Shias, the Sunnis, the Kurds, the military, outside countries, to get to the point where Maliki had no choice but to leave oh. power, having done Hold so. Hold on, so wait, can I just back that up? So, yeah, go on. ahead. See, what did he say about that? Either likely, and in some instances even possible. But the administration spent months working behind the scenes, working with the Shias, the Sunnis, the Kurds, the military, uh. outside countries, to get to the point where Maliki had no choice but to leave power, Outside countries. Having done so now, the administration believes the Iraqi army will rally against those ISIS-ISIL forces in the north and possibly turn a corner. Major Garrett, thank you very much. I I think that's pretty intelligent. What I have found is nothing motivates a military to work for you like removing their commander-in-chief. Anyways, did you find anything? I mean, I did. Actually, I did. Anything I, I, of interest, though? Because you yes. figure at, at the top level, it's all just going to be all of her. Well, yeah. Well, I found some information about right, her and the on. position. Okay. Oh, oh, great, great. That's great. Okay. So her official title, if you, <laughs> it's a, it's a doozy. <laughs> she is the assistant to the president for public engagement and intergovernmental governmental affairs. That's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> 
uh, the assistant to the president for public engagement and intergovernmental affairs. All right. But but now and there's a lot of history about her, but I don't care about that okay. because I, I, I wanted to. Yeah, just steer position. it back. So the Office of Public Engagement and Intergovernmental Affairs is a unit of the White House office within the executive office of the president. Right. It was formerly known as the Office of Public Liaison and Intergovernmental Affairs. So they changed the office a bit. But basically, in a nutshell, it goes all the way back to the Nixon administration. This is a a normal thing. They can bring somebody in starting right. with Nixon they were doing but this. But here's the interesting okay. thing. If mm. you look at the previous two to three, maybe even, we'll go back five administrations, yeah. okay? Yeah. There's been multiple people right. in right. this. Yes. Uh, for example, Bush had Julie Cram, Rhonda Keenum, Leslie Weston, and Ruben Barales. Uh, Bill Clinton had Mary Beth Cahill, uh, Minion Moore, oh, oh. Maria Estevaste, and Alexis Herman. <laughs> but Valerie Jarrett has been the only right. one to hold this position the entire presidency. And I, I'm pretty sure – I'm not positive about this part, but I'm pretty sure she's been in Barry's club since before uh, he was in office. Yeah. Like, so that's just really but, interesting. But I'll just read the first paragraph of the history of this office. Basically, the Office of Public Liaison has been responsible for communicating and interacting with various interest groups. Under President Nixon, Charles Colston performed public liaison work. Uh, basically – at its core of activities was an aggressive campaign, uh, talk, basically just being a liaison. Right. Uh, and that's the that's nutshell. By the way, a little side thing. Give it to me, Chase. Uh, Give it to me. In 2009, actor Cal Penn, you might remember him from, uh, uh, what's that movie, uh, Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, Yeah, was named an associate director in the Office of Public Engagement. Uh, his role was to include outreach to Asian American and Pacific Islander communities, uh, but basically... Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on. So basically, this office has always been there for a long time. For a long time. But the unusual thing is, Valerie's been there for the entire time. Uh, should we start working our way towards Ferguson? We do have some ISIS stuff in the show too, but I think we'll save most of that for the show. Uh, let's start with some of the Ferguson stuff. Um, maybe some of the basics. Why don't we do that? For those of you who are watching, we'll play first. Kind of uh, maybe what's going on. Uh, I don't know how well NBC is going to do with this, but maybe this will help. When 18-year-old Michael Brown was shot and killed by a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri, what started as a local conflict quickly became a complex story about race, justice, and the use of police force. Saturday, August 9th. Michael Brown, an unarmed African-American, is two days away from starting college when he's stopped by a police officer. Exactly what happens next is hard to tell because of conflicting accounts, but ultimately, Brown is shot and killed. Small, vocal protests soon form around the site of the shooting, and police reinforcements are called in. Sunday night, a vigil turns into a protest. A heavy police presence is on the scene. The protests turn into riots, and a local convenience store is set on fire. Police fire tear gas at the protesters for the first, but not the last time. For the next three days, the tension between law enforcement and protesters continues to ratchet up until you get this. By Thursday, the president calls for calm and criticizes both the local authorities and the protesters. There is never an excuse for violence against police or for those who would use this tragedy as a cover for vandalism or looting. Missouri Governor Jay Nixon asks the state highway patrol to take over security of Ferguson. Captain Ron Johnson immediately makes an impact. Hey, you can stay out here all night. The only thing that I ask is that we, we, we pull back a little bit. Friday. 
After a respite from large protests, Darren Wilson is identified as the officer who shot Michael Brown. At the same time, police released security footage of Brown taking part in a robbery at a Ferguson convenience store just prior to the police stop. Chief of Police Tom Jackson later clarifies that Brown was not stopped for the robbery, just for jaywalking. But the police do claim that after being stopped, Brown tried to grab Officer Wilson's gun. Brown's friend, Dorian Johnson, who was at the scene, offers a dramatically different account. So the officer's trying to pull him in, and he's pulling away from the officer. On Friday night, the protests resume, with some reports of looting. Saturday, Governor Nixon orders a curfew in Ferguson from midnight until 5 a.m. Sunday begins with Captain Johnson giving a heartfelt speech to rally the community. I love you, I stand tall with you, and I'll see you out there. Protests now have a party-like atmosphere. But by nightfall, the police and protesters are clashing once again, with Molotov cocktails flying in one direction and tear gas in the other. Monday morning, the governor calls in the National Guard to help with security. Later, an autopsy report shows where six bullets hit the unarmed Brown. In a bloody week charged with questions about race and excessive force, these images bring us back to the beginning. While the details of the Ferguson story have evolved, the core questions haven't changed. All right, so that's a pretty good summary. Actually. That was wow. That was very nice. Good summary. I almost wonder if we should play that during the show. I, I honestly, uh, I think you should. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. All right, so there's that. So that kind of brings you up to date on uh, where we're at. Um, there's been a lot of that is that here's what's going on just last couple. Yeah, I don't. I, I know we have it in the show. Yeah. So so I'll probably repeat this for the show as well. Um, but I don't understand why the chief, not the captain that came in from the state patrol, but the chief unveiled the uh, pictures from the surveillance tapes and the surveillance tapes from the robbery when in and when it had nothing to do with the shooting yeah nothing well and for me that's like a common play of misdirection like look over here look i, I think this clip goes we into begin that. with those breaking developments oh, cool. tonight near st louis missouri after the police shooting of that unarmed teenager Today, the Ferguson police chief releasing the name of the police officer involved in the shooting after so much anger it was being withheld. But new outrage erupted tonight because police also released something else. These surveillance images that they believe could show Michael Brown, the shooting victim, involved in a store robbery earlier that day. We've been seeing these pictures all week, protesters in standoffs with police, the smoke from the tear gas filling the streets. Tonight here, do these new developments have that city back on edge? ABC Steve Osinsami on the ground again tonight for us. Steve, good evening. Hey, Steve. Steve. Good evening, David. The name of that officer is one of the things that all of the people out on the streets tonight in support of this family wanted to hear. But today, police also painted a different picture of the teenage victim. Everything about this smells cover-up. The officer that was involved in the shooting of uh, Michael Brown was Darren Wilson. It took them nearly a week, and the fighting over this incident nearly tore this city in two. But today, Ferguson City Police are finally sharing that it was 28-year-old police officer Darren Wilson who shot and killed this unarmed black teenager Saturday afternoon. He's been a police officer for six years, has had no, uh, no disciplinary action taken against him. At this family home in St. Louis, where neighbors believe Wilson lives, the families next door say he left the area early this week. Police didn't give us a picture, but they are sharing this one. They tell us that's Michael Brown, the young man the officer killed in the middle of what police called a strong-arm robbery just 15 minutes before the shooting. 
The surveillance video from three cameras in this liquor store show him in the same red ball cap and white t-shirt that police say he was wearing when he was killed. Here, grabbing boxes of cigars, then shoving the manager who went after Brown and his friend, Dorian Johnson. Tonight, Johnson's lawyer is confirming the robbery. Today, police said that at the time of the shooting, Wilson didn't know the teen was a suspect. Mm. But in his initial police report, Officer Wilson says he was given a description by dispatch of a black male in a white T-shirt. That was no robbery! Many black families here are refusing to believe this story. I could be unarmed, get out the car, they gonna shoot me? And then say I tried to rob, or they thought I tried to rob somebody? Oh, no, man, it's crazy. Telling me even if it's true, the officer had no right to shoot the young man dead. It's going to happen to another black person. State Highway Patrol Captain Ron Johnson, a son of this city, had made such a difference Thursday, walking side by side with protesters. Today, he felt caught off guard by the revelations. I think there are some concerns that reference the, uh, the release of the information in a videotape. Uh, I'm going to have some conversations with the police chief uh, here shortly. The teen's family says they are beyond outraged. Whatever that took place there had nothing to do with an individual getting down on his hands and knees, raising his hands in the air and saying, don't shoot. They're calling this a character assassination. The police say their officer is in a safe place tonight. David. Well, Steve, you've been there in Ferguson all week for us, bringing us those images from scenes like this one with police facing off with protesters. And of course, there was the state police captain taking charge instead, hugging some of the protesters. So as we head into this weekend, uh, where do things stand? Well, right now we're expecting, of course, people to be out here through the night. And we're also really sort of hopeful that it will remain quiet as it was last night. The police saying that you can get a lot more done through peace and understanding. David. All right. Great reporting from Steve Osinsami every night this week. Steve, thank you. So, yeah, they released that tape of the guy robbing the store to essentially win over, uh, to basically say without saying, well, look, he was a bad kid. To uh, taint the jury pool? Maybe, too. I, you know, here's the thing, you know, I, I'm white. You guys know I'm white. I was wondering. I know. So I obviously have no room to speak on racial stuff. But that being said, I'm of the one where how can anybody form a concrete opinion, especially uh, when you have conflicting eyewitness reports? And I'm talking about members of the general public of all nationalities, conflicting eyewitness reports, and an ongoing investigation. How can we even make a conclusion that that the kid uh, who got shot and killed was on his knees with his hands up in the air saying, don't shoot, don't shoot? We have conflicting eyewitness right. accounts. Right. See, I, so think, I, I think what we should strive for in tonight's episode, and I don't know, uh, it, uh, it might be hard. It's like I think it. It's hard to say the details of this don't matter because they absolutely do. Was the cop injured? Was what did he have uh, reason to believe that uh, you know there was going to be some sort of reason to defend himself? Uh, did he? Did, you know, I, I almost here's what here's the bigger picture. I think. All right. If you have seen some of the some of the uh, leaks of like radio communications and some of the more intense videos. There appears to be 
a very deep divide between the authority and the author the authorities the authoritarian type like cops and and you know uh, people who who have a responsibility to protect or something you know whatever you want to call it and it's almost becoming like a them versus us at, and and be, yes this happened to a black kid yeah but the response that the entire community went under that was that was denigrating to all of the citizens. It doesn't matter if they were white or black. Yeah. And the militarization of the police, so that the that. level of response that they had, doesn't matter if that kid was black or white. That is a systemic. That is a systemic problem with the system. That yeah, the response was totally inappropriate. So the, that's kind of what I think. Yeah. I kind of want to. So I basically, I want to go down this route because now what we have witnessed on this show is total, total. Total police state America when bought when the Boston bombing marathon yeah. when the Boston bomb happened, lockdown everywhere. Everybody had to go under curfew. It was insane lockdown. Military vehicles in the street. Now this kid gets shot. There's some protesters. Boom! Military vehicles in the street. See, National Guard is brought in. The cops are wearing you know, camo. I, yeah, I feel. I know. I, I don't live in Ferguson, obviously, but I understand the perception. And and why they feel the way they feel as far as you know the, the people getting really pissed off about this, especially yeah. when you have state law stating that the you know the officer's name is supposed to be released within what a forty-eight hour period, I believe, is the time frame, and they held on to it for a week. You know, those kind of things uh, push that narrative. So, like Disco in the chat room says, you know, Chris, I think the police are mixed in how to handle this. A lot of the troublemakers, quote unquote. Aren't even from Ferguson. Well, then, well, that's what they tell us. Yeah, I mean, but uh, it, again, it almost doesn't matter. Like it, that, that is a detail that is unique to this particular situation. The reaction that we are seeing is a trend that applies to numerous different types of situations. Yeah, and I really one of the things that I want to try to work on is I want to try to analyze this this divide where the people who we literally pay their paycheck are beginning to hate us. And where is that fear coming from? Why do they hate us? Why do we have things like this? Oh my god, gun raise, gun raise, gun raise, gun point. My hands are up, bro. My hands are up. Gun raise and point. Raise and point. That's a good one. I will fucking kill you. Get back. Get back. You're gonna kill him. He's trying to kill him. What's your name, sir? Your name's Go Fuck Yourself, all right? Go Fuck Yourself. Thank you, sir. Hello, Officer, officer Go Fuck Yourself. Officer Go Fuck Yourself is trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah, taunt the cop. That's a good idea. I hope you guys are watching. Taunt the man with a gun. He had to be told by another officer. He's trying to kill my friends. He's trying to kill me. On my stream, well, you're the strong guy, right? Yeah, yeah. On my stream, he said he's going to fucking threaten kill. He's going to kill me. So I picked this clip up uh, a few days ago. It as of today just hit CNN. But by the way, you know, um, you know, I've I've been raised with guns in my life, rifles, uh, especially. My dad used to take me hunting a lot. Um, and and one of the things is you never point your gun at anything right. you do not plan to destroy. See, okay, that's another great point. Is these these cops have been giving big boy toys and they don't know how to use them. Because, like, there have been military commenters on the TV and radio that have been like, yeah, they have our gear, but if they had our training, they would know They would know you never point that at someone unless you plan to kill that person. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
and he, and he's using it as a, uh, a fear fear based. All right, thing, we got to stop because oh, we, we got to repeat. I know. Yeah, all I know. this has to go in the show again. We have to repeat ourselves on all of this stuff, and it's not going to work. Don't it's worry, gonna, I'll be able to. You're going to if if we blow this, I'm going to have to release the whole supporter show again, and I. I would do a lot of work, so we wouldn't have to do that. I know. <laughs> okay. No, I know. All right, so stop it. Stop it. What? Stop it. I'm drinking. Hey, you know what? What do you got there, Chase? I'm. You're a star. Ah, thanks, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Thanks, Coca-Cola. Uh, yeah, all right. So I wish I had... Let's see. I need something else to... Uh, here we go. Let's... Uh, okay, Chase. Chase's Choice. Are you ready? Uh, here we go. Here we go. Chase's Choice. Chase's Choice. Would you like, before we get going, to reset us so that way we can talk about all this again because we're going to start the Ferguson segment all over again. All right. Raw footage of Chinese and Russian troops gathering for a peace mission drill. (laughs) Okay. Or video of a Tesla tower being reactivated in Russia. Oh, man. I want to see the Tesla tower. All right, Tesla tower it is. Here we go. RT. There it is, the Tesla tower. Wait for it. Now it's becoming nighttime. Now you know this thing is old too. Wait till you, they show you the inside. It looks like it's out of an old like sci-fi movie. Menacing, isn't it? What's the what's at the bottom? Was it Ruptly? What is that? Oh, uh, uh, resup- I don't know. That's there you go. Look at that. Look at that control panel. How awesome is this? For you audio listeners, we're seeing like a quick... Yeah, now it's doing lightning. Now that's the Tesla coil doing lightning. Isn't that neat? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, look at that. Wow. And uh, for those of you... Those of you listening on audio, I will have the... uh, I'll have the... uh, the video of this in the supporters. That reminds me of Command and Conquer video game. We used to play set up Tesla coils to defend your. Uh, yeah, right. Yes, that was good stuff. Yes. Uh, okay, Chase, buckle up. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for us to do the traditional Ducktales. Oh, you guys, we got a great show. Oh my god. I don't know about great. I uh, I just got back from a uh, uh, from an expo, and uh, I got to hang out with all my friends. It was uh, such a good time, Chris. So I'm going to play. I don't normally do this. But the intro is going to be video. I don't normally have the video's intro, so Rika, you're still going to have to overlay. Uh, that's what it is, yeah. Thank you, Rika. Uh, ah, Repli is a news agency. Yeah, it's like, and, and they, uh, the Repli is like, uh, Repli, when they'll do like direct releases with no commentary, no editing, it's just like the raw feed, that's what they'll put it out like that. It's kind of neat because like it's just the raw, like, yeah, this is Unfiltered, episode 111 for August 20th, 2014. I just want to show you this, okay? Let me just give you an idea of what's going on. The protesters, here's this main intersection. The protesters have moved all the way down there. They're about half a block down here. John, watch with me. They're all the way down there, okay? Nobody's threatening anything. Nobody's doing anything. None of the stores here that I can see are being looted. There's no violence. Now, I want you to look at what is going on in Ferguson, Missouri, in downtown America, okay? These are armed police with machine uh, not machine guns with, with semi-automatic rifles with batons with shields many of them dressed for combat now why they're doing this i don't know because there is no threat going on here none that merits this there is none okay Absolutely, there have been looters. Absolutely, over the last nine days, there's been violence. But there is nothing going on on this street right now that merits this scene out of Bagram. Nothing. So if people wonder 
why the people of Ferguson, Missouri are so upset. This is part of the reason. What is this? This doesn't make any sense. Welcome to Unfiltered, episode 111 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's hopefully distracting you from all of that TV you really shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the always excellent Mr. Chase. Man, 111. It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah, it's a good number. It's a good number. We've been here nearly, well, just over, it's been over two years. I know, I know, I know. I know. It's crazy, man. And this is not um, this is not our nation's best week. This, this is, is not uh, this is not a show this, we're going to come on here and be proud of our this nation. This is, you know, yesterday uh, and I know we're going to talk about some of the news especially with ISIS and Iraq moving on in the show, but last night when I've started reading this stuff as it was coming down fresh. Mhm. I was just like, this was one of those, you know, it was weird. Uh, I don't I was like, what is our world coming I, to? I don't ever do this, Chase. I, I, I actually kind of make it one of my rules not to ever do this. Uh-oh. But uh, I was laying in bed and for some reason I decided to check Twitter. I, I, I never Ooh, do it. Never do I did, it. I did that. T- was that right around nine o'clock? I, I almost texted you. I was just like, are you seeing this? Yeah, I was, just, I uh, was and I couldn't believe it. And, and then and then next thing you know, I'm laying in bed and I've got a like you stream stream up from yeah. somebody's cell phone yeah. on the ground in Ferguson. Yeah. And I and then I jump back on Twitter and I see Scott Johnson linking to another uh, another feed. And this hashtag feed, Ferguson. I was like, what is one of the feeds I got was a journalist working for, uh, I think it was like uh, an Al Jazeera journalist. Al Jazeera. And yeah. another one that were in the car together driving around talking about what they were seeing, yeah. which was incredible. I mean, it was just totally raw on the ground. I've never done anything like it before. And I, I, I knew immediately, wow, this is, without even getting out of bed, I knew this is a historic moment for the United States and not a good one in a good no. way. No. Uh, but maybe, and I hope maybe we can talk about this a little bit, maybe it's finally, finally going to slow down the aggressive militarization of the police force in the United States. Maybe. We'll talk about that as we as we sort of build towards it. Maybe it won't. And some might argue maybe it shouldn't. So we'll try to discuss that later in the show, too. Yeah. ISIS has had a big week. <sighs> I know. I mean, we've uh, we've we've obviously, you know, on the show, have made jokes about ISIS and their 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 nicely produced videos and logos and and things military like equipment that. that they happen to find, yep, and, the money they happen to find. Uh, but uh, what has transpired with it's just that? the worst? It doesn't matter. It almost doesn't even matter anymore. It's just the worst. So we're going, and of course, that's exactly the reaction they're going for. So we're going to talk yeah, about that yeah. and try to stay rational about it. Yep. I wanted to start by doing something that I've only done once before on this show in Ooh, 111 episodes, just one time. Uh, the first clip out of the out of the gate I want to play is our intro clip because I thought it was so powerful to see Jake Tapper on the streets of Ferguson coming to grips with what he has seen and having onto live TV question the sanity behind it. Right. It is, I think, going to be an iconic moment hey, on national television. That is Jake Tapper being a real... Human being. Not not a reporter. Right. Not going for ratings not shock Not value. worrying about what the boss doesn't want him to say. You know, his boss is Ted Turner. You know, he doesn't care. 
and he's just laying it out there like yeah. a lot of us that is seeing this going on with both eyes. So I want to play it again. Wow. It's not an amazing clip. Yeah. The audio quality is not amazing, but I yeah. think it's – so every now and then we play clips on this show that I believe will be played for years and years and years, and I think this is one of them, so I just want to watch it again. All right. It's done. I just want to show you this, okay? Let me just give you an idea of what's going on. The protesters, here's this main intersection. The protesters have moved all the way down there. They're about half a block down here. John, watch with me. They're all the way down there, okay? Nobody's threatening anything. Nobody's doing anything. None of the stores here that I can see are being looted. There's no violence. Now, I want you to look at what is going on in Ferguson, Missouri, in downtown America, okay? These are armed police with machine, uh, not machine guns, with, with semi-automatic rifles, with batons, with shields, many of them dressed for combat. Now, why they're doing this, I don't know. Because there is no threat going on here, none, that merits this. There is none, okay? Absolutely, there have been looters. Absolutely, over the last nine days, there's been violence. But there is nothing going on on this street right now that merits this scene out of Bagram. Nothing. So if people wonder why the people of Ferguson, Missouri, are so upset, this is part of the reason. What is this? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and Jake, you know, many people have been wondering about uh, what they're calling the um, over-militarization of police departments, especially in the wake of the wars of Iraq and Iran and, and getting, um, and Afghanistan, I should say, uh, and getting this equipment from the Pentagon. Juliet kind That's really all I had. Uh, it's just so powerful to see that. And if you're a yeah. supporter and you have the supporter sync, that might be one you want to grab for your personal collection. Yeah. Uh, it's top of our uh, Ferg's folder. Yeah. Okay, so I also just to I want to I want to put my biases of the story out on the table immediately. I I am siding for the most part with the protesters. I acknowledge there was probably people that were uh, breaking the law and injuring and uh, doing bad things. I, so I'm not trying to downplay that. However, I want to play this piece of video for you. This sort of set my frame of mind why the way I see the way things are. And as this goes, too, uh, these, you'll hear clips from reporters. I want you, towards the end, to listen to the desperation in the reporter's voice as he witnesses a situation that could have been completely, completely avoided, potentially, unravel. Can you believe this is our country? Oh, they're running. They're running now. Hold on. They're going after somebody who threw something. Police are now running so down the, the police block. Show. Water bottles are flying through the air. Oh boy! And then it goes uh, crazy. It's it's totally dissolved. The night was had been ending peacefully. The night was ending peacefully. Hold on, is a they're, they're putting a man down to the ground right now. It just got extremely tense. Uh, the, the the night was almost completely diffused. Uh, most people had gone home. There were a few people in, in a circle uh, in discussing things, and suddenly one water bottle flew in the direction of police. Move back! Move! Move! Off there! Now! Move! Thank you! Now! Stand over there! You ought to get back! Hey! 
Cops in military gear. You need to get back. You're risking my people's lives. Get back now. All right, so uh, you can see how it's uh, how maybe one might lead. If you watch enough of these clips, one starts to lead to the conclusion, and I think producer Eric just summed it up really quite nicely in the chat room. Uh, the reason why this has gotten so bad is because the police are making it worse because it's about the police. It's about their egregious aggression. And beca- when then you respond with more egregious aggression, that makes their response worse. And when you use the words like getting these people out to vote would be disgusting, when you use words like that, it makes them mad because you are not respecting them and you are supposed to be protecting them. Well, it's not just that, Chris. I mean <sighs> – uh, I don't know if you got the clip, uh, maybe you do, I don't know, of the reporters that were in a McDonald's. No, I don't. Oh. What happened? So there's uh, some reporters, that there's a McDonald's really close by to this uh, yeah, corner. Yeah, I've seen it in some of the videos. Um, and there was reporters, I don't know from what news, news agency, but some police officers came into the McDonald's <laughs> and told them they had to get out. All of the, everybody? All the, yeah, all, uh, everybody, including the reporters, and the reporters were rolling. Yeah, and the cops, you, you need to turn off. You need to turn off your camera right now. Huh. And reporters like, no, 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 I, I have a right to record you. And then the the cops started doing a forty five second countdown. All right, you guys got forty five seconds. To really? Get out of here. You guys got thirty seconds to get out of here. Um, and then one of the reporters. Uh, I oh, I think I do have a clip of it, Chase. You do? I think I do have a clip oh, of it, as a matter of yes. fact. Uh, here, I'll load it up while you keep here. Also breaking tonight, two reporters in town covering the chaos in Ferguson are now part of the story. Wesley Lowry of the Washington Post and Ryan J. Riley of the Huffington Post were arrested tonight. The journalists say they were inside a McDonald's when police claim they were trespassing. Riley told me one of the county officers became physical and assaulted him. I was... Uh, turned around, um, a finger was jabbed into my neck. Um, uh, my arms were um, moved in a um, in a, uh, a very, you know uh, uncomfortable and uh, painful position, um, and I was uh, cuffed. Um, uh, the officer then proceeded to stuff everything into my uh, bag and then uh, walk me in handcuffs or in um, rather in um, um, wristbands or whatever uh, zip ties. Uh, out of the McDonald's, at which point he banged my head on purpose uh, against uh, the glass so um, of the McDonald's door. There's another clip of him of the of the tape of of or at least of the audio of when the cop came in. Um, you know, he had it. He had it rolling. He had his t- his camera rolling, and the cop a told him to turn it off. Hmm. He he refused to do so uh, because he has a legal right to to yeah. tape him. Yeah, sure. Um, and then the cops are like, right, "You got thirty seconds to get your stuff out of here." You know, forty five wow. seconds. Well, one and of the, just one of the things in the whole the whole approach to the media in general is a lot of times the media are getting moved out. They're getting pushed into like media only zones. Uh, in one case, when it got really intense. Uh, one reporter was brought up, and the cop looked at him and says, well, that camera doesn't look like it costs $50,000. You're not a reporter. You're out of here. And they got him out of there, and they drug him out. And, and he was in, he was like and, a, a writer. And, and, when the, and then when this was breaking, you know, uh, what about the, the tear gas can that got fired uh, towards an Al Jazeera right. uh, and then they crew? Go, and then they went over there and took down the crew's equipment. Right, and pushed the cameras down and yeah. stuff. I mean, when I heard, uh, when I started following this story as it was breaking last week, I was just like, "This is wrong." Yeah, I mean, the response is this, too extreme. I mean, and it's it's the now obviously, 
I don't know the history of Ferguson, Missouri. I, I don't. And right. by the way, if you ever looked at a map, you guys, and you think, oh, Ferguson, Missouri must be some small town in the middle of nowhere. It is literally like a suburb of St. Louis. Okay. It is an unincorporated, uh, yeah. it's, it's an area of St. Louis. It's, you know, it's not a very big area. It's a very. Kind of like this area. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it really is. It it's, is. It's, it's a is, suburb. It's weird to think about that. Yeah. Um, and and also we need to just say you know it's it's sad what happened to Michael Brown and we don't know what the full story is there. No, and I think yeah. I think our discussion here in the show today is maybe a little bit more than the details of what went down with Michael Brown and perhaps a little bit more about the systemic problems that are leading to this kind of response. We've seen it with the Boston bombing. We're now seeing it here. We've seen just this over-militarization of this police, of the police, with this over overreaching response. Yeah. However, that all, now that I've just said all that, I think one important element to this particular flare-up are the details of what we do know about the death of Michael Brown, and some of that is provided by an autopsy that was released, I think, a day or so or two ago. Now, was this the, the private autopsy that was released or the other one? Because I know, no. like, okay. Yeah, I think, no. I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't think we have that one yet. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, there's a big presentation, like by Doctor oh, okay. Bowden. Okay. Okay. Maybe yeah. so. I, that, I this clip doesn't cover that one. I don't believe. Okay. Yeah. Right. The National Guard is being deployed in the U.S. suburb of Ferguson, where the standoff between security forces and protesters has reached new levels of unrest. Anastasia Cherkina is in Missouri for us. Now, props to her. Although she's going to like uh, train through this speech, like uh, like I don't know what her problem is, but she has taken it in the face several times while she has been down there. She has gotten some elbows to the face. She got some tear gas to the face. I've been pretty impressed with how much crap this little girl's. Or, sorry, this woman has taken. But, but she's not very big either. She's like she's. Short. Yeah. Emotions have been flying high here in Ferguson as uh, militarization of law enforcement has been reaching its peaks, especially uh, Sunday night, uh, just hours before a second night of the curfew was about to begin here on the streets of Ferguson. It has to be said that uh, for night after night after night, for over a week now, uh, hundreds if not thousands of people have been coming out onto the streets to protest the killing of unarmed 18-year-old Michael Brown by a police officer. Look at that we thing. Do that's an M. By the way, that vehicle that you just saw—that is an M. Rap vehicle. Now I'll have stats about that vehicle here okay. after the clip. Here's the stats about the autopsy. Yep. You look that Unarmed 18-year-old Michael Brown by a police officer. We do have the latest independent autopsy results being announced that reveal that Michael Brown was shot at least six times, including two times in the head. And uh, this has been bringing protesters out onto the street, demanding the reasons why this young man would be killed by a police officer with multiple gunshots. Some- so do you answer your question earlier? That was the autopsy released on the 17th. Uh, so there you go. Friday right. night became one of, the, one of the most chaotic nights here in Ferguson throughout this entire week where police used more tear gas than in previous days, including sound cannons, LRADs. Uh, we do know that families with children were still out on the streets when tear gas had hit some of them. Uh, this was uh, quite an unprecedented situation where in the United States, even journalists were told to disperse. Otherwise, they could get hit with tear gas or shots while standing in a crossfire. Uh, two journalists were arrested later to be released. It's been over seven days since since Michael Brown was murdered on August 9th, and uh, passions have not died down for any one of those nights here in Ferguson as police become more and more militarized, clashing with protesters. Certainly, we're not expecting this tension to die down anytime soon, Look at that unfortunately, gear, especially now with the National Guard being deployed to the streets of Ferguson to try to tackle the situation. There's another picture of it. 
So the vehicle, uh, the the vehicles that the police are using in Ferguson and many other areas of the country is an MRAP. You might have heard that term thrown around. It's a mine resistant ambush protected vehicle. It's a fourteen ton, fourteen tons armored fighting vehicle. And by the way, uh, that weight means that it is extremely damaging to the roads. Uh, in fact, I was listening to an interview with some military personnel, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't even ever drive those on the roads." Yeah. <laughs> United States Department of Homeland Security rapid response teams have used MRAPs. Uh, uh, FBI has a, yep. an MRAP they as do well. I, they do have them, and they, they do drive them on the roads, obviously, but they they will do them very consciously. And I thought that was just – even that level, what I thought that sort of betrayed was like, these guys are not qualified to have this. Now, that was really the sense I got from this guy's interview. You know, these, these vehicles, by the way, um, cost normally – Near a half million bucks each. Okay. $412,000. But here's the thing. That actually, to me, for some reason, doesn't seem like a lot. But the thing is, they have to also get refitted Uh, with a closed turret, uh, black paint, new seating, loudspeakers, emergency lights. That costs an additional 70 grand. 70? 70 grand. I thought you were going to say seven grand. I was going to be like, oh, that's a deal. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Um, And by the way, uh, just an interesting stat, fuel efficiency. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Let me guess. Um, Uh Seven miles a gallon. Wow, very close. Five. Really? Wow. Five. Wow. But yeah, the thing is, the Defense Logistics Agency is in charge of offloading 13,000 MRAPs to 780 domestic law enforcement agencies on waiting lists for these vehicles. So you have, obviously, you know, they they feel that, you know, we need to have these vehicles because if we don't... We've got some here. The New York Times uh, has an infograph where you can go see where all the... uh, the different vehicles did and you, equipment has been deployed. Did you see the article uh, in the Seattle P.I.? Maybe not. I'm not sure. But the Seattle Police Department was actually – they actually put, put out, this is what we have. We don't have any of these right. vehicles. Yeah, yeah. Huh. What we have requested is armor plating, which I think is okay. I'm, I'm yeah. fine with that. Sure. Um, you know, because there's officers that are out there. I don't know, beats, man. I like, I, like the idea, I like the idea of the civilian police force is wearing a blue uniform. They're just cloth shirts. Well, I under, guess maybe we're just not living in that time anymore. Maybe well, I'm crazy. A, a vest maybe I'm crazy. underneath, I think, is fine. I suppose so, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah it is, yeah. I mean, you're, you got people out there that they want to kill cops. I think it's cops. just that I've been, I feel like they've gone so far that now I just want to pull it all back. Now it's just like, now I want to overreact but too I, much. Well, I, I agree that there's certain things that shouldn't go to the police. Like MRAPs, I don't think should go to the police. I don't think they need them. They, they don't need... The uh, semi-automatic assault-style weapons. They don't need that. They don't need tear gas launchers. Right, and I don't know if you've seen some of the clips, but they're just driving around just popping them off at people. They're just driving down the street, out, hanging out of one of those big trucks, just boom, boom. Right. Boom, and they're just shooting them off in different directions. Yeah. Uh, one of them landed in that RT gal's face. So there you go. Uh, all right. Um, there. Uh, one thing I want to kind of get to is the race aspect of this, because this is... It's interesting how this is being played by different sides, and I think it plays an important part of the discussion. This clip kind of goes into it, and maybe you and I can kick it around a little bit. All right. In 10 days of street battles, no one has been killed, but at least 28 people have been injured, including four police officers. Oh. At least five were shooting victims, but no one has been shot by the police. At least 147 people have been arrested, some from as far away as New York, San Francisco, and Dallas, and at least 60 businesses have been looted or vandalized. Most residents of Ferguson are black, but there are only four black police officers on its 58-member police force. We asked Mark Strassman to look into this. 
Protesters say long before Michael Brown was killed, Ferguson cops policed by race. Sometimes you just get tired of it. 26-year-old Kyle Borders says Ferguson cops have pulled him over 10 times in three years, but they've never given him a ticket. The first question is, do you have any guns, do you have any drugs, or any of that nature? I'm like, sir, I've never had a, I don't even have a record. You know, I've never been in trouble. Ferguson has 22,000 residents. Two-thirds are black. But African-Americans have a disproportionate share of run-ins with the city's mostly white police force. According to the Missouri Attorney General, last year in Ferguson, 86% of police stops, 92% of searches, and 93% of arrests involved black people. Whoa. Can't argue with statistics. Well, I mean, you can, but, I mean, that is... That is that. I'm going to play that again. That cuts that. Woo. Low. Americans have a disproportionate share of run-ins with the city's mostly white police force. According to the Missouri Attorney General, last year in Ferguson, 86% of police stops, 92% of searches, and 93% of arrests involved black people. That means blacks are three times more likely than whites to be stopped by police. Now. Do you think now? Didn't they say earlier in the beginning that it's almost like the majority of the population are, is black? He so said, he said two thirds. Now here's the here's the other question. the 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 question is, uh, I mean, who's breaking the laws? That's all I'm saying. Like as in, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. No. Maybe blacks break more laws. That's no, all I'm saying. I, I don't know. I don't know. All I'm saying is, well, if you've got are, more are, people, are, 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 they, are they are they are they specifically targeting African Americans? Well, it is a bit of a self, or, it is a bit of a self perpetuating cycle where right. there's a certain section of the community that is put at a, at a disadvantage, so then they are more likely to break the laws because they're living in a broken system, anyways. That doesn't treat them fairly. Right. So there's yeah. that aspect. But I think probably the more legitimate answer is just that the majority of the people in that area are black. Right. I think that's really it. I mean, I, is it? I, I think, I, I, well, mean, I, I, I don't know, actually. I mean, I mean I, and, probably and that, there and probably and is a little racism component to it. I don't know. See, what I'm trying to get to is I think to deny that there's racism involved would be crazy because human beings are involved. So right. I don't think you can just say racism isn't involved because that's that would be ridiculous. Right. But I'm, what I'm trying to get to the root of is are these tensions race-related or are these tensions? That, that's my entire point in, in saying what I said. Yeah, I mean, no, I it, follow. Yeah, it's like, or is it is it because the blacks are committing more crimes and because they're black, or is it actually that they're just more populated in that community? And what we really have is the people in a position of authority are threatened by the civilian population. In other words, the people they are supposed to be protecting, they see as the enemy. Right. And I think you've seen some and statements to that to, to effect. So it's possible that they would look at the black community as maybe, uh, you know. And then they feel and, stronger because they have all this military equipment, military right. style thing. Like now, hey. They're all pumped up. I'm pumped up. I'm, I'm driving look, in big vehicles. They look like a big boy. You know, they got the big boy clothing. They got the big boy gun. They got the big boy truck. I mean, look at this, Chris. I got a nice, big, huge picture here. They got their big boy mustache. I mean, whoa. <laughs> Was that an accident? <laughs> What's driving me crazy is that photo right there. Zoom in on that. It's one of those cops in a black uniform with a mustache. And you just look like an absolute clown freak. It works for murdering terrorists that jack our food and water. I think you're a big joke. Oh, you got a mustache. I'll just worship you. As long as you got a mustache, it's okay. Nothing against mustaches. There you go. 
but yeah, when you're driving in a vehicle like that, you know, and you you'd probably feel like a like a real mother effer. Right. I would think. And I then, bet that just makes you feel like a boss. And then, yeah, I, I really, I think it lends to your your statement, Chris. It's not about protecting and working with with the public and working with people. It's like I, they're my enemy, and that's really what you get. This feeling. The United States of America out. is a battlefield, Chase. Yeah. Right, let's finish this clip off. And twice more likely to be searched or arrested. James uh, Knowles is the city's mayor. The perception of the minority community. The, the, oh, the police department treats them unfairly. I'm not in their shoes. We can always improve uh, our relationships. And whether it is true or not, there is a belief that that happens. And that's not acceptable. In hindsight. Sh- See, when he, when he says that, what I hear is, oh, well, it doesn't really matter what the little shittisans want. What they, we'll just give them the perception that they look for, so that way we can continue on. That is, that is what I hear. Like if I had a universal Star Trek translator, that would be what the translator was telling me. Should the city have been doing more to recruit and keep black police officers? That's just something we're going to have to to try to figure out a way to to struggle with and continue to. Did you? Did you? Did you let's play that again. Hold on. So. <laughs> Yeah. Because it kind of sounds like he's not going to fix the problem at all with that answer. Recruit and keep black police officers. That's just something we're going to have to to try to figure out a way to to struggle with and continue to. Try to, uh, wait, try to figure out a way. To struggle with that. To struggle with. In other words, we're going to slow that down, stretch it out, and not fix the problem. And he doesn't. See, he's not polished. He doesn't mean to say that. He's probably not been on camera very much. And sometimes what happens is you accidentally say what you actually are trying not to say right. because you're nervous. You've you've not been mic'd up before. There's very bright lights in front of you. Honestly, it, it really puts you into a different state of mind that kind of makes your mind race so quickly that you sometimes accidentally say the exact kind of thing you did not mean to say. And I know that sounds yeah. like crap, but until you've been in that position, it is legitimate. Yeah. And I think that's what he just did. Yeah. Uh, improve ways, not just to recruit, but then to retain African-American officers. You can take it or leave. State Senator Jamila Nasheed has tried to calm crowds here. She's a critic of local police. I don't think that they're trying hard enough to recu- recruit uh, any African-Americans. They don't want African-Americans in their good old boy network. That's as simple as that. It's plain and simple. Ferguson police have pledged to increase their recruiting of minorities who want to become police officers here. And Scott, they also want to encourage officers who work here to live here. The officer involved in the shooting lived in another town. Mark Strassman, thank you very much. You know, and I I apologize for for this, for, I guess, the ignorance that I sometimes have. But (laughs) but I I, I'm I'm not racist. I, I don't have that fiber in my being. I, I love all people uh, of That's so beautiful, Chase. That's so beautiful. I'm married to a Korean. Oh my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper, everybody. And when I when I when I hear stories and I see things of, of these racial tendencies, I honestly there's a part of me that doesn't understand why. I know. It seems so stupid. I, I don't get it. I don't understand this good old boys network where they don't wanna you know if what it's I think true, it bring in African Americans. I, I don't I, think I don't it, understand. I think I it really all, don't. I think it all comes down to um, we as a species 
are very clan-driven and very tribe-driven. And we get in a tribe and we adopt... Just based on a skin color. No, no. No, I'm talking like, um, it's just, it could be, it doesn't matter what the basis for the establishment of the tribe is. You could have the police force, that is a tribe. The community has become a tribe. The black community could be a tribe. But what you have is a group of people that get together who begin to kind of think the same way about a thing. And I think that's a, that's a way where racism, go, where racism goes from like, I treat people differently to a systemic problem that can affect the police department that that literally changes the way they make decisions internally in their mind. I know I'm, this is sounding like some hippie bullshit, but yeah. what I'm trying to say is that it literally forms the way they think about things. Human beings kind of most frequently have a bottom-up way they form things where by the yeah. time you are making a decision on something in your mind, that thought process has gone through layers of emotion, your your memory, your history, your biases, all of these filters. And by the time it is at your conscious level where you are making an actionable decision on that thought, it has already passed through so many layers of bias that y- there's nothing you can do. And when you're in a group, I think it becomes pervasive, and I think it doesn't matter yeah. if it's race, if it's a community of, of just the citizens or what happens, and, and things like racism are a toxin that get in those groups and poison them and yeah. lead them to just routinely bad decision-making. And I know that's something that, that personally I will never understand because I never, I never had to deal with it. I mean, you know, I, I, I grew up with, uh, you know, Mexican-Americans and Latinos and Cubans and African-Americans. Uh, you know, f- f- for me— you know, I'll never understand that mentality. My wife, uh, like I said, she's Korean, and she's she's had to deal with those racial, uh, you know, profilings and people treating her differently just based on her physical appearance of of her race. And for me, I just I, I feel for what's going on out there, even though I I don't understand the hows and the whys of the, of the racism part. But I understand why the in, the community is in outrage. I understand well, and I based think, upon history, based upon, you know, yes. looking at those statistics. The you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they've, yeah I mean, they've obviously it's been building for a while. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I think if you don't want to blame racism, maybe you could blame Obama. I got a I got a clip here that is a mashup of some of the reasons why the right wing is blaming Obama for okay. the situation in Ferguson. All right. There you have it. The leader of the free world with sagging approval numbers, jumping into another local criminal justice situation. And once again, he does this before all of the facts have been gathered. Your take on it, and I have to agree, is that it appears the Obama administration is kind of orchestrating this tragedy. Well, it certainly appears to be that way. Um, Very, very disturbing. President Obama again jumping into the controversy from Martha's Vineyard. You have a a situation to where the president of the United States should come out and say, even pleading, not angry, just pleading. What good does this do? Remember his beer summit after his silly comments about the Henry Louis Gates break-in in Cambridge or his, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon remarks? Well, I don't know if he's jumped in too quickly. He may have chosen a side too quickly with regard to this issue of excessive force. This is very troubling. And then when you tie in this, uh, you know, the president's two, uh, two public speeches about this uh, and his statement, uh, it really does seem that they have decided to insert themselves right into the middle of this narrative. But did the president go too far in choosing sides on this? These Obama administration interjections have stoked racial discord in America and sown more distrust between minorities and some local law enforcement. 
But if you look at the shadings in his statements, he's clearly made a statement that the police were acting in an excessive way, that they were violating rights not only of protesters, but of reporters on the scene. But I suggested that he also should have expressed sympathy and condolences for this police officer, A, who got injured in the line of duty, and, and B, whose reputation is being dragged through the mud. So he switches the focus to racial injustice in Missouri and away from his policy failures to try to gin up the base. This is textbook Obama. And so when you do so, you set a, a scene and you set an atmosphere, unfortunately, I think, for continued uh, discord and dis uh, possibly violence in such a community. That's what the president should have said. So most of that was Fox News. Some of that was from right-wing conservative radio station on XM. Uh, and so now you can see they're very upset that Obama took a stand. Obama picked a side. Here's what Obama actually said. I have to be very careful about not prejudging uh, these events before uh, investigations uh, are completed uh, because uh, although uh, these are uh, you know, issues of local jurisdiction, uh, you know, the, the DOJ works for me, uh, and it, when they're conducting an investigation, I've got to make sure that uh, I don't look like I'm uh, putting my thumb on the scales one way or the other. Ooh, yeah, I can see why they're all upset. And, of course, he also went on to say, uh, you know, we should never use excessive force in any case. And that, and then that has turned this entire thing into this massive political thing, this big old political dust up that totally is not addressing the police overreach issue. No. It's not addressing the militarization of the civil force. No. It's not addressing the us versus them mentality. What they're doing is focusing on what Obama did wrong. Or, or governments or police forces controlling the method of speech as well. I mean, not just for the people who right? want to protest peacefully. Wouldn't you think but, Fox News, as a reporting outlet, would want to talk about the outrage of reporters being shut out of the story? Right. And being, and being pushed out of restaurants and being pushed out and being tear gassed and, and then telling... What? Oh, I have Viber open. And oh. uh, Noah was just giving me an update about LinuxCon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang, thank you. But, I mean, we're not talking about that either. You know, right. it, it's one of those situations when I first heard about reporters being pushed out and pushed away, I immediately thought this is a control issue that the, the police department doesn't want to doesn't want any coverage of the bad things that they're doing. That's, smell, that was my first. You smell that? You smell that? You know, that smells like Savannah meets bacon. Savannah meets conspiracy bacon is back in stock. Wow. Are you ready for my conspiracy bacon a little bit? All right. Well, hold on. Let me get my bib on. All right. Go <clears> for it. All right, Chase. I'm eating. Here's what I I have to wonder. Some salt here. Very good. So, a lot of times these situations are sometimes pushed forward. All it takes is for somebody to sort of light a fire under a certain group and really get things going up. Maybe somebody in a position of power uh, sends a mandate down to the police force, go out there and kick ass. And just as the people are wrapping up, the cops go out there and they kick ass. And that's all it takes to light a spark. And then the thing takes the whole situation takes care of the rest of itself. And all of a sudden everybody's all riled up, everybody's hyper tuned into what's going on. Okay. People are laying in bed watching live streams on their freaking phones. Everybody's super sensitive about it, and now all of a sudden you've got a shit ton of new registered voters. Okay? And the reason why I wonder why this is why this all of a sudden went to be such a big freaking deal is because something just as tragic happened just days before and nobody gave a shit. That was your cue. That was a good light-up. 
I said nobody gave a shit. On August 5th, four days before Michael Brown was killed, in Fer- killed by Ferguson police officer Darren Wilson, 22-year-old John Crawford III was shopping inside a Walmart in the Dayton, Ohio suburb of Beaver Creek when he was shot and killed by police. The father of two had picked up an MK-177 BB pellet rifle in the toy aisle, and he had it with him as he walked around the store while talking on his cell phone. Another customer called 911, reportedly telling dispatchers that he saw a man walking around with a gun in the store. He said the man was pointing a black rifle at people near the pet section and that, quote, he's loading it right now. According to Crawford's girlfriend, who was on the phone with him at the time, police ordered Crawford to drop the gun and open fire. I just heard them just shoot him like he wasn't nothing. He was just telling them that it wasn't real. And he didn't even give him a chance to respond. They just shot. Crawford was pronounced dead at a nearby hospital that night. The county coroner labeled his death a homicide, though more than two weeks later, there have still been no arrests. Now, this is a father of two buying a toy for his children that that store sells. He's he's holding the item that he went to the store to buy, and he's gunned down by police. Nobody got upset about that because there wasn't the right conditions for that spark to be lit. And I, you, you what have was to the underst- race of the guy who got shot? Black. And no one, no one, no one got upset about it. Right. Except obviously the family, and in this of case, course. the evidence even says it's homicide. Like yeah. the evidence is in. Yeah. Do we know who father shot? Father of two children. Do we, do we know who shot him? Do, is the officer's name released I don't as know. well? I don't know. I, this is literally the only thing I've heard about this entire thing. And and I just when I see these see the thing is is the United States is pretty screwed up. This stuff happens every single see, day. See, because the first thing that's going to be throwing out thrown out here is what if it was a white kid that got shot and killed? Would would there be more hoopla over it? I have a sense would, there would, would the, be. The community would get involved because the community in Ferguson obviously is predominantly African American. Since it was an African American kid that got shot, crowd got involved. I, I have a sense. I think. What's it, the demographics of Dayton? But I think like? we're confusing too. Uh, I think. No, like, I know. But what I'm trying what, to say is that's why there was no spark because the people didn't care. But I, I know. And my conspiracy bacon, which I'm not saying I subscribe to, but the one right. I just want us to just to kick around, yeah. is that there might have been political motivations to make one a really big deal versus another. Oh. So you just, I mean, yeah. just something to maybe be aware of, but who knows? I think the core issue here is that us versus them mentality. And I want to play you a clip. <sighs> Man. Uh, it, this, is, this has been really interesting. One of the things to watch, because it sounds douchebaggy and hipstery, but some of the stuff that the media is covering today, I was reading on Twitter three or four days ago. And, it, and, and, it, and to me, I just thought, oh, well, this is just the mainstream media once again electing not to cover something. Um, and then now they are covering it. I don't know why that's changed, but this next clip I want to play is pretty shocking. I don't know if they're going to include the swearing. I tried to gr- grab the bleeped version, um, but I want to warn you. So before we do that, I'll give you a minute to fast forward. Before we do that, I want to tell you how you can support the Unfiltered show. Yeah. Unfiltered is an, a listener-supported show. We don't take any advertisers because we want to come on here and say any kind of crazy thing we want. We want to fry any bacon we need to. That's why we go to you over at patreon.com slash unfilter. You can become an unfilter supporter, and this is a great week to do it because we've got a ton of great clips in the overtime folder. We've got 
an amazingly powerful videos in in the supporter sync. And when you become an unfiltered supporter, when you go over to patreon.com slash unfiltered and you become a pledge member of $5 or more per month, that's all it is, $5 or more, you get access to the supporter clips. Yep. You get access to the supporter show, yep. which is an entirely additional show where it gives you more information about the stuff we covered. If every now and then you hear us just kind of throw out a fact and you're like, where the hell did the guys get that? It's right. very likely we covered that in the supporter show. And you can get that via RSS, direct download, or through BitTorrent Sync. We've got all of it. Go over to patreon.com slash unfilter. And thank you to our 319 patrons who are keeping us on the air. Yeah, you guys rock and you guys understand the importance of independent media absolutely and not being and uh, being able to trust the motivations of the people you're hearing from and even and what i think is great about that is in this model is even if we get something wrong or we get a detail wrong we say something that's wrong doesn't mean that we have like you know that the motivation to get that wrong is just a mistake it's not an agenda that is making us say something or skew something in a certain direction it's just it's just something we made a mistake on and we will very likely make a correction on in a future episode we have nothing we have no one to report to but you The only reason we are making this show is for you. And trust me when I tell you, it takes an incredible amount of work and sacrifice, both personal and professionally, to put this show out. And you can help us keep going by going over to patreon.com slash unfiltered. Thanks so much, you guys. Really do appreciate it. So I want to play this clip for you. I think they've cut out the swearing, but here we go. Just a fair warning to you, there could be some F-bombs. St. Louis County Police, they say that they have relieved an officer of duty and they are suspending him indefinitely after he threatened protesters last night and pointed a semi-automatic assault rifle at them. CNN's Don Lemon is in Ferguson with the latest. Don, it's surprising at this point that this would happen, isn't it? Go, Don. It is surprising. And what's even more surprising is that you're going to see the video right now of that confrontation. And I want to warn our viewers, there is some very strong language in this video. We've done our best to bleep it, to cover that language, but it is very graphic. You're going to get an idea of what it is. So again, a warning, and then I will explain exactly when this occurred and what happened afterwards. And I think this clip will beautifully demonstrate the mentality that that the people in authority have towards the people they're protecting. Take a listen. My hands are up, bro. My hands are up. Look at that gun pointed right in those people's faces. That guy has a shotgun pointed in their faces. No, no, no. Escalate, that's a semi-automatic gun. Shotgun, people might think it's a double barrel. No, this is a semi-automatic weapon. You're gonna kill him. So in that video, the officer says the 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 peaceful protesters. This is according. Uh, well, and to be fair, they're not cutting this part out. But the protesters went on to taunt the, taunt the cop after yeah. he was. I mean, he was the, the dick pro- first. Yeah, the, the protesters asked him what his name yeah. was. Yeah. And he said, "Go f yourself." Go f yourself. But he didn't say f. And, and then they and then they go, "Well, hey, officer, go f yourself." Right. You know. Yeah. So they kept it going. Um, uh, to the unified forces here says, uh, "Look, this guy has his gun pointing at people," and the officer says, "Get back, or I'm going to effing kill you." And then they ask the he says it several times, and then they ask the officer his name, and he says, "My my name is Officer. Go f yourself." And it continues on, uh, you know, with that a little bit afterwards. But here's what they said. This happened Tuesday, shortly uh, before. 
before midnight when the incident occurred, and that is a St. Anne municipality police officer, a St. Anne municipality police officer. And according to the unified forces here, they said that this does not represent any of the officers in the area. Obviously, they don't, do not condone this. This officer has been uh, suspended indefinitely and has been removed uh, from his duties here. to make a statement. And even before that, the man who is in charge of this operation, uh, Captain Ron Johnson, t told us that he wasn't having any of this. This officer is done. He has nothing to do with these operations anymore. But again, you see the video and you hear the very graphic language and the officer pointing a semi-automatic loaded weapon at a peaceful protester telling him he is going to effing kill him. Pretty crazy. And I think it demonstrates, um, I mean, yeah, obviously that cop had a lot of adrenaline in his system, some fear. Um, but I think it. I think those brought to the surface this problem that we are facing, where the people that we are entrusting to protect us and we are arming at an alarming rate, uh, don't uh, obviously don't feel comfortable around us. They are fear us in some sense or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and that those cops, you know, they they need to be dealt with not only in a uh, punishment sense, but they need to sit down and talk to somebody. They need yeah. to. You know, maybe they have they have PS uh, post traumatic stress disorder. You know, coming back from a war. I mean, the thing is, or, though, you know, the, it's, but, but okay, but let's look at the positive side. Yeah, I mean, yes, they have issues. They have to deal through that. Yeah. But it is sort of it's bringing a lot of this problem with the police and the excessive force and the military it, militarization. It's bringing it out into the open conversation. Now. I agree. Police in Ferguson fire tear gas and stun grenades. They say they were responding to being targeted by rocks, Molotov cocktails, and gunfire. The central question in Ferguson is as persistent as the violence itself. Were those police tactics appropriate for what was happening at that moment? You needed a show of force by police officers. The fact that they were wearing military-style uniforms was very provocative. Had they been wearing uh, police blues, I think there would have been a different feeling. Here they come. See, that's my point. Is is that just the visual presentation of of a military force? Yeah. Heavy helmets, big vehicles, right. big vests. It's sending, camo. It's sending the signal. Yeah. Let's go. And then and then the then the citizens' response is, what? And you know more outrage. Right? It just amplifies the outrage. We've been pushed out of the way. Some experts say the police performance in Ferguson has been disjointed. They say it started with a confused leadership picture. Ferguson Police Chief Thomas Jackson heading up securing the city, then handing it off to Captain Ron Johnson of the Missouri Highway Patrol. It tells me that they're not certain uh, who's in control and how to control this uh, civil strife. That They are experimenting, they're making things up as they go along. Heavy-handed tactics at the beginning, then stepping back and allowing protesters to roam. Then clamping down again as the threat changed. To some, that's disastrous. Look at, look at all of them to holding others, holding that. up their weapons. Look, you got multiple officers mm -hmm. in that clip mm -hmm. holding up, aiming mm -hmm. weapons. I know. And this is probably a good moment to stop and say, we're not cop haters, right? The the civil police force has a legitimate role in our society. We're not cop haters. I just no. want to underscore that. I have some good friends that are police right. officers. I have family. But I think what the yeah. problem is, is that it is, it is, it is, it, as a group, there is a problem. Individually, they are human beings with families and wives and children or husbands or 
lovers or whatever you know they have going on in their lives. They are actual people and they have interests, and I, I get that, and we are not losing sight of that. But what I think we have to acknowledge is that as a group, as a whole, it's going too far, and it's going too far too often. Yeah. Then clamping down again as the threat changed. To some, that's disastrous indecision. To others, that's adaptability. They went too heavy-handed in the beginning, but they have to keep changing and assessing their tactics. That's what good policing does. It's a constant assessment of the threat and trying different things to find the right mix. Communication with the public and the media has also been too inconsistent, analysts say. Police haven't articulated the rules on the street clearly and seem to be constantly changing the rules on the fly. Some like even the guys in the back of the line are pointing yeah. the gun at yeah, the cops in front of them. I mean, look at this. These guys don't know what they're doing. They're pointing guns at themselves. And uh, producer Q5 Sis in the chat room says it's also important to keep in mind that part of our, you know, the United States, you know, Chase, this is America. Yeah, buddy. That's, part of our national new. identity. <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting for that one all episode. <laughs> part of our national identity is to fight against oppressive forces. It's been, in, it's been hundreds of years, but we grew up learning in school about how patriots fought against the oppression. But now we're fighting ourselves. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, exactly and seem to be constantly changing the rules on the fly, sometimes on live TV. Uh, I think we're about to be arrested because we're standing on the sidewalk and you said you want to... Move out of the way, sir! Move! But some law enforcement veterans say an ongoing civil disturbance in a glaring public spotlight is unlike anything else. The problem is this is such a big, dynamic situation. Now, we relayed some of these criticisms. Okay, if anybody watching could email into unfilteredjupiterbroadcasting.com and tell me what drug this guy is on, I would like to get that <laughs> drug. So let me know. Watch his mannerisms. He's just too much. He's on something, and I'd like to know what it is, and I figure someone out there in the audience is probably taken and could tell me. ...to the Missouri Highway Patrol and the Ferguson Police. We have not heard back from them. Now, what about the Missouri National Guard? They're not involved in the specific policing of the crowd. The Guard is there just to protect the command center. Should all of that change, some analysts say the police are exhausted, that the National Guard should deploy to relieve them and maintain order, but then oh, get into those images of militarization on the streets of Ferguson yet again, Brianna, that's been a problem. And Brian, this other point of Look criticism uh, of the Ferguson Police Department uh -huh, was uh -huh. that release of the video that showed Michael Brown in the convenience store. That's right. Now, some analysts say they waited way too long to release that video. It took several days to do that. Critics say before the video was released, there was one narrative of Michael, Look at that Michael Brown. Then right? when they released it, another different hands. narrative was created. On that was on the same day that they revealed the name of the policeman who shot him. That was a public relations disaster for the police, and it led to unrest that very night. By the way, uh, this is what the CNN green screen virtual reality set has devolved into, is this guy hopped up on all of the drugs, <laughs> standing in front of a virtual big screen display that is he is standing right now in that shot in a 360 degree green screen set and this is what they're using it for good investment there cnn oh come on man i'm just saying i'm just saying all right should we move on from ferguson you think we spent enough on ferguson no but it, it's one of those things that obviously i hope i really hope that uh, you know it it can we can get a, a solid positive result, result yeah. from this and, situation. And maybe reignite a serious conversation about the police and the militarization. And we should. something that the show will keep following is 
It's gotten to the point now, last clip, we'll wrap it up right here. International observers are in Ferguson watching what the hell's going on. And journalists are not the only people reporting right now on the ground in Ferguson. Human rights organization Amnesty International is also there taking unprecedented action to deal with the ongoing crisis. The organization has been on the ground since Thursday with a 13-person human rights delegation. To discuss their role in mitigating this conflict, earlier I spoke to Jasmine Heiss, a senior campaigner on the ground, and I first asked her to talk about what brought Amnesty International to Ferguson. Amnesty International is here as part of a human rights delegation with a twofold mission. Uh, first, our mission is to observe and to shine a light on human rights abuses that are happening here, just as we would if this were happening anywhere else in the world. And secondly, our mission is to organize, to support the community, to provide things like nonviolent direct action, police de-escalation trainings, and just be present in our twofold mission as an organization. So who knows if anything will become of this? Yeah. I, I'm doubtful, but we'll see. Oh. What what I would say is, you know, if if you know if you see a police officer going through your neighborhood, and, you know, driving through on patrol, you know, wave. I mean, get to know the people that work in your communities and and protect your communities. And you know, a lot of people out there are good, and it's unfortunate that a few of these officers, maybe a lot of these officers, maybe need to be retrained, mm. and they need to go through uh, you know, some basic courses on a you don't point your weapon at anybody if you don't plan on shooting last ferguson clip and then we'll move on ah. last clip good after 12 days of protest in ferguson attorney general eric holder arrived here today I'm sorry. How you, doing, sir? you are the man holder is now over you are the man you are the man now is that uh the attorney general saying that to the captain yep oh wow i mean this because the new the captain has done a good job but uh, yeah well, you know, here's the funny thing. You know, um, I, I know we didn't really touch on it. You know how the uh, the chief released the video? Yeah. And then he was told by the FBI, the attorney general's office, a few other outlets to not release that video. Oh, really? Yes. I got to read up about that. Yeah. He was told not to release that video, but he did it on his own accord anyway. Hey. Sorry. How you doing, sir? You are the man. Holder is now overseeing oh, a, a federal hug. investigation into the death it's of a bro Michael hug. Brown. Almost about ready to kiss. Look at that. He's looking at his lips. It's a bro hug. Dude, that looks like it was almost well, a bro yeah, kiss. Should, you know, you shake a hand, you give him a Where, Where's his other hand at right oh, now, Chase? I'm just Chris, saying a little uh, tugging grip. Come on, man. He has a team of 40 FBI agents working the case. In the meantime, the state's own investigation continues. A grand jury convened today to begin hearing evidence. Police say Officer Darren Wilson shot Michael Brown in self-defense after Brown grabbed for the policeman's gun. New video has emerged where an eyewitness can be heard reacting to what he saw. And by the way, new video, they mean taken the moment of the incident, so it's not new at all, but they're just now deciding to air it. The next thing I know, I think he's missing, couldn't make out the words, started running, kept coming towards police, is what the witness is saying in this video. Now, not all witnesses are saying this, but that's what this witness is saying. I was going to say there's conflicting reports, right. 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 But other eyewitness accounts say Brown did not rush towards police. He felt the 
the bullet grazed his arm. He turned around and then was shot multiple times. Critics of prosecuting attorney Robert McCullough say he may be biased in favor of law enforcement. Oh, have you heard about this? No. Oh, this is good. So this will be the guy taking care of the facts. Enforcement. McCullough's father was killed while working as a cop, and his mother was a police clerk. He wanted to be an officer himself, but lost one of his legs due to cancer. So I, know, I would doubt he's got any conflict of interest or any particular persuasion or any bias. <laughs> McCullough is holding firm. I have no intention of walking away from the responsibilities, the duties that have been entrusted to me by the people of this entire community. And, and I understand that there are some that uh, they don't think I'm best suited for this case. But you know, again, I am hearing an undertone of absolute disrespect for what the community wants. I'm hearing an undertone of disregard. I'm hearing an undertone of, honestly, like, they don't know what's best for them. They just need us to take care of them. Of walking away from the responsibilities, the duties that have been entrusted to me by the people of this entire community. And, and I understand that there are some that uh, they don't think I'm best suited for this case. But what I'm trying to convey to them is that I've got that responsibility. I'm not walking away from it. Police and protesters continue to clash. Nearly 50 people arrested overnight, though the demonstrations were mostly peaceful. Captain Ron Johnson says a turning point has been reached. I think our community is, is, is uh, turning against the criminals that are trying to project, project this community in a bad light. Local residents are hoping for an end to the violence. Deborah Jones lives about a block from the demonstrations, and she sits in fear as each night approaches. We're right in the middle, you know, and people, you know, they just need to, you know, cease this. How long do you think you can continue to live like this? I hope they get everything resolved soon. You can't. They need to bring their personal justice so these people can start to heal, so this can calm down and quiet now because this neighborhood is really suffering. Well, those here in the community know that last night there were no shootings, no Molotov cocktails being thrown, no tear gas being used. That was the first time in at least the past several days that that has happened. Uh, Captain Johnson basically saying he felt as though, Brianna, it was a different dynamic out here, and he's certainly hoping that tonight makes a difference as well. So things are starting to improve. <sighs> All right. Okay. Man. So you want to shift gears to the beheading of uh, James Foley? Yeah. Okay. Sounds the good. British no. Foreign Secretary weighing in on all of this, expressing a good deal of concern because on that tape, the executioner, the murderer of James Foley, appears to have a British accent. Intelligence services. Okay. I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop. And uh, and again, uh, Chase, if you could maybe pronounce uh, a little, I got a little more bacon. I brought two batches of bacon today. This will be the last bacon. Of the uh, this, this batch actually comes all the way from our friends to the north, Vancouver, British Columbia. Huh. Okay. Vancouver so, Chase, bacon. Uh, yes. this bacon, we're just in here. We're just chewing. We're buddies. Oh, we're not... oh, wait, hold on. Let me throw some pepper on there. Okay. There we go. We're not saying this is the case. All right. Not saying this is the case. All right. But if you were going to just build up this like narrative of conspiracy where you have ISIS that has American guns, has American money, and they're doing things that seem to be – anyways, let's just – we've talked about that before, right? Yeah. 
now you have ISIS, who seems to be really kind of hitching Europe to the U.S. in this fight against terrorism. Like the Euro- the, the EU is going to become dependent on us in going after these bad guys. And now they're obviously under threat because this guy has a British accent and they're going to move in and they're going to do things over there. And then they're going to come over to the West over here and they're going to blow us up and we have to work together. And isn't that super convenient right now when we're also at the same time trying to make sure they never make any more deals with Putin? They come buy their oil from us. we got to make sure we get in there for all that kind of stuff. Gosh, it's just so convenient. At the same time, economically, we kind of want to link up. We also need to link up over security issues. Pretty convenient. That was a good bacon. I yeah, mean, I don't I, know. I had yeah, a nice piece. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Probably I, nothing. It, it, the only reason why it's really hard for me to latch on to that right now— Because of, of the level of brutality. It's just so far. Well, but here's the thing, right? You it's cre- unfathomable. Well, no, you create the monster, and then it becomes a genuine organization that goes off and does right. things that you have no control over. Hello, right. Al Qaeda, right? It yeah. becomes. I mean, you start something, you light the fire, and then where that fire burns, you no longer have control over. It's on both sides of the Atlantic now, working to try and identify his. Now, hold mur- on, let's play that back because I think she was just saying that both. Okay. The murderer of James Foley appears to have a British accent. Intelligence services on both sides of the Atlantic now working to try and identify his murderer, the friends and family of James Foley, remembering his life and his career as a journalist. The ISIS video is simply too horrific to show. The man being executed by beheading is James Foley, a freelance journalist kidnapped in northwest Syria on November 22, 2012. Now, interesting, too, kidnapped in Syria, executed in Iraq, and I've often also said, doesn't it seem like these guys have a lot of the weapons that we were sending to the rebels in Syria? Now, is, now the captured in Syria, murdered by ISIS in Iraq. Right. Thanksgiving Day. ISIS, the brutal militant rampaging through Syria and Iraq, say they killed Foley in retaliation for U.S. military operations in Iraq. Foley, a freelance photojournalist from New Hampshire, reads a message denouncing the U.S., presumably written by his captors. He says America is his real killer, and then Foley is murdered. The Obama administration said they're working to authenticate the video, adding, if genuine, we are appalled by the brutal murder of an innocent American journalist, and we express our deepest condolences to his family and friends. And the family of Jim Foley released a statement late Tuesday night that reads in part, We implore the kidnappers to spare the lives of the remaining hostages. Like Jim, they are innocents. They have no control over American government policy in Iraq, Syria, or anywhere in the world. Another American journalist, Stephen Sotloff, is shown at the end of the video. The executioner speaking with an apparent British accent threatens to take Sotloff's life if President Obama doesn't stop airstrikes in Iraq. Sotloff, kidnapped on the Syrian-Turkish border, has worked as a contributor to Time magazine. No one knows how many thousands of Syrians and Iraqis have died at the hands of ISIS militants. Across their stronghold in northern Iraq, cold-blooded mass killings of Iraqi men, women, and children. We do have information that they continue um, uh, these kinds of depredations and, and crimes against humanity. There's no question about that. 
After dozens of airstrikes against ISIS positions across northern Iraq, the group may feel pressure, but there is no sign it's abandoning its violence and horror. ISIS has some 10,000 fighters. It's now a group the U.S. intelligence community calls a credible alternative to al-Qaeda with aspirations to attack the United States. <laughs> Boy, Barbara Starr just does it like nobody else, so, right? So here's, you know, I, I don't like to fry conspiracy bacon either. What? Are you serious, Chase? Uh, All right. Well, this conspiracy bacon actually comes from our local grocery store. Uh, they buy into a big cooperative of bacon, but these are the thickest, juiciest slices that have a little hint of maple. So maybe this is the thing to charge up the American people. Right. To send boots on the ground. Right. To take the airstrikes, which, by the to way— escalate them. By the way, doing a new round of airstrikes. But, but here's the thing. If if you're ISIS, so you go from well no no okay. no hold on hold on let me let me finish the thought let me finish the thought all right if you're ISIS hey Chase go ahead if you're ISIS okay <laughs> and you want to do something to not uh, provoke more airstrikes and more attacks against you what's the thing that you shouldn't be doing um, beheading journalists right so why would they be doing this. Because possibly there's a little bit of conspiracy bacon here going on, right? To get us more and in depth, isn't it just the cherry on the there. top that the guy has a British accent? So what's next? So the next boot, the next boot that drops has to be an American that gets killed. Is that what I mean? Well, this, well, well, was, this an American. was American that right. got killed, right? Okay, right. Sorry. So it's a it's, it's a British murderer, an American that's getting killed. God, it's and, everything. And, it's got everything. And here's what's going to happen. There's going to be another video follow up. Unfortunately, I mean. I don't want to believe that conspiracy. I don't want that to be true. I, I want to believe... Do you really want to believe the other alternative, which is that... I mean, I don't know. I tell you what... I mean... I just... Yeah, I mean, yeah. <sighs> it's, it's it's a matter of baiting, right? Whatever it is... You're right. It looks let's unfamiliar. strip everything away. There is obviously a... There is obviously something or someone has decided we're going back into Iraq, and we've got to make it happen. Right. And we gotta we gotta play up the PR of this. We gotta play that Al Baghdadi video over again and pretend like it's brand new again. We just played that last oh, week. Oh yeah, and pretend that he's addressing people when he's not. Right. So we gotta do that over again. Now now up to the next notch. These guys have been in captivity for years, held in Syria. Who knows when those guys were killed? Even. Yeah, this could be an old that, video. or that guy. Yeah, this um, t- it's horrible though. I yeah. mean, it is very tragic. Now, what I find to be interesting about this is doesn't mean we're changing any of our policy, of course. U.S. and British intelligence experts are scouring every frame of the gruesome video showing the murder of James Foley for clues about who killed him. President Obama offering condolences and tough words as commander-in-chief. When people harm Americans anywhere, we do what's necessary to see that justice is done. But before any next steps, intelligence experts have work to do. First, Washington and London are analyzing the British accent in the voice of the killer. Well, we're very concerned by the uh, apparent fact that there's a, the, the, the murderer uh, in question is British and we're urgently investigating agencies on both sides of the Atlantic uh, and then to see if we can identify Working the individual together. in question. 
Does the accent indicate where he might have come from? Are there cell phone intercepts matching the voice? Yeah, look at those emotion templates. That's great. Could he once have been held at Guantanamo Bay? Experts are looking at the terrain in the video to see if it matches satellite imagery from Iraq or Syria. So we don't know where that video was or when it was taken. Right. Until now, ISIS has not made attacking the West a major priority, but now a direct threat. The killing of James Foley said to be retaliation for U.S. airstrikes. The executioner saying in part, Any attempt by you, Obama, to deny the Muslims their rights of living in safety under the Islamic Caliphate will result in the bloodshed of your people. Now watch what CNN does here. It's a stroke of compositing genius because when you are making a piece like this you stitch every moment together so that way they build on each other yeah. it's almost like a music piece in a yep. sense and so you hear this guy's accent so what's the next thing you want to do the intelligence community worried about what will happen next it's not clear uh, whether the leadership will now pivot towards oh it's a guy with an accent towards attacking the west there's certainly a lot of concern that they could they have the capability to the administration for now not likely to expand military action in Iraq and airstrikes against ISIS inside Syria are unlikely given Syrian air defenses and the lack of intelligence about where ISIS operatives are precisely located. I do think the administration is not likely to change their strategy as a result of this. Uh, they're going to be very careful not to have the mission creep uh, so much that we get fully entangled in Iraq again. I hope he is right. So the airstrikes are on for now. In fact, they don't have an end date. But maybe we don't end up going in boots on the ground. Man. All right, Chase, should we end this sucker on a high note and then we'll get out of here? Yeah, when I, I saw this story, I couldn't really believe it all too much. <laughs> I mean, when I saw the headline, I was just like, wow, this must be really, really serious. Right, and, Jackie Chan publicly apologized. Right. That must be big, right? Yeah, and uh, do you have an audio clip on this? I did. No? I, oh, okay. I did. I, oh, not on that one, but I did have a clip, but it's not here now. No, okay. they, they didn't release audio of it. Yeah, so so basically I saw this headline uh, in, in our local uh, online news, and I was like, oh, wow, this must be really, really serious. So, you know, I, I started reading. It's like, wow, Jackie sure. Chan apologized because his son Ooh. is on drug detention charges in oh. Beijing, China, oh. uh, and also with another actor and then i kept reading and then like fifth paragraph in police said both actors uh, jc chan 31 years old and a taiwan movie star kai ko 23 years old were both tested positive for marijuana and admitted using the drugs and they had 100 grams 3.53 ounces which to put it in size terms you're thinking about what uh maybe a few like uh like uh silver dollar pieces you know ish i mean they're not it's not that's not a lot uh is it a lot i don't know i don't know what was the amount Uh, was it three ounces three ounces 3.5 ounces that's quite but that's it that's a lot of pot though that but that's i mean it's not a ton of pot but that's enough pot to get the job done okay (laughs) i mean what are you doing are you making a batch of brownies for the next year with that but but anyway uh the offense carries a maximum sentence of three years imprisonment uh, Co is using uh, accused of using the drugs, uh, a much less serious accusation, but the potential pe- penalty wasn't clear. Uh, Chinese President uh, Xi Jinping uh, declared in June that illegal drugs should be wiped out and that offenders should be severely punished. 
The crackdown has snarled more than 7,800 people in Beijing alone, according to police. Wow. And it's interesting, right? The real story here is how Jackie Chan felt so ashamed that his son was smoking pot. Well, I think that's more of a uh, culture thing. A culture thing. And I don't think it was he's, you know, I don't I don't like to read between the lines, but maybe. Maybe you should read between the lines a little bit. But maybe he has to come out and project that, obviously, for China. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, you know, I, I'm very ashamed of my son. It's a very traditional Asian Pacific thing. What's wrong over there, Chris? You know what I never want to do as a dad? Have to publicly say I am ashamed of my son. I will always say I stand with my son. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, it's got to be a cultural yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what he needs to do? What's that? Woo woo! Ride the weed bus, Chase. Just go over. See, I've got a weed bus. The state bus. attorney general says he will uphold the will of voters by fighting to defend Initiative 502, which legalized recreational pot. Bob Ferguson has filed a brief in support of 502 in two lawsuits against the city of Fife, which has banned pot businesses. Fife officials say the city is not required to allow pot businesses because 502 is preempted by federal law. Getting high while seeing the sights of by Seattle, way, tourism entrepreneurs way, are I, making that happen. I know you can't pause quickly, but um, oh, I paused. Well, I, I paused like a the, mo. The, the thing with that defense, yeah. there's an inherent danger in that defense. Lay it on me, Chase. The inherent danger is if the, they get the right judge or the right court, and they'll say, "Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah it's federal yeah. law." Yeah, 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 yeah. Then the whole freaking initiative could be up in smoke. Get it? Get. King 5's Michael Konoposik explored one of the unique yet controversial pot-themed businesses. Here along the waterfront is one of the stops for the Weed Bus Club. Think of this thing as a party bus with a lot of smoke. They They take pictures, they thumbs up, It's, it's great. We get a lot of positive feedback about the Weed Bus. Huh. The paint job sure makes it hard to miss what promises to be a mind-altering experience. Oh, I think it's great. Betty Jo, visiting from Montana, <laughs> couldn't resist snapping a few shots. Betty yeah, jo. it's very unique. It's something I don't see every day. Operator William Prigmore says the curiosity is what's driving business. Why the hell didn't we think of this? So, did, Was that WeedBus.club? Check it out. You look it up while I... All right, all right. Everybody's question is, is what is the weed bus? And I first tell them, hop on the weed bus, take a look at it. So we did just that. A ride from the Piers to Soto, along with a pit stop for some early morning passengers to light up. They can smoke on the bus. We go down to Cannabis City. They can buy it legally. We take them on a tour of Magical Butter. There is one main concern, however, no partition separating the driver from the rows of smoke-filled fun. What about the risk of a second-hand high? Most of the time when they're smoking on the bus, we don't have drivers in there. Police tell us they will monitor all of this. As far as the passengers lighting up, that is still considered public pot smoking, technically illegal. But police say enforcing marijuana laws is their lowest priority. There's their stops. Now, you'll have to buy your own marijuana, but the price of the tour is $25 per hour or just a donation for a short distance. We're told that there is competition. Here's wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can ride the weed bus just for short distance transportation? Yeah. So you get on the weed bus, you'll... All right, but but Chris, to be fair, look at the stops here. First, yeah. you head over to Dick's Drive-In, you get yourself some burgers. This is amazing. And oh then, my gosh, Chase, people come into town, you take them yeah. to the weed bus, you yeah. go to Dick's. You, you go to Dick's, and then, hold on, you make a stop at Cannabis City. Genius. And then uh, you can uh, have uh, dinner at the Crab Pot. 
Oh my gosh! And then you head over to Alki and uh, this watch is, the sunset. This would be like seriously, like if we ever could Look get re- this. if we ever could get Rikai out of the studio and take him down to Seattle, <laughs> we should take him on this, right? You and I, you take Rikai on this weed bus tour. Oh man! Because really, this sounds great. Anyways, we'll let him finish. Up. Yeah, yeah. Do not be surprised to see more of these buses on city streets. Reporting along the waterfront, Michael Konoposik. King Five. News. That's a name. <laughs> yeah, Michael Kanapasik. <laughs> Michael Kanapasik. Uh, so that's pretty funny and good times had yeah. by all. Uh, there you go, Chase. Well, that'll bring us to the, towards the end. I know, big show, a lot wow, of heavy huge, stuff we covered, stuff that, you know, it's like you got to process. I'd love to hear the audience's thoughts on this. Probably the best way to get hold of us would be, go, be going just. Head over to our, our subreddit. Would yep, you? that's right. Reddit, our unfilter.reddit.com. That's the place to head to where you can submit your stories, upvote, downvote, um, and really just get involved in the conversation. 1,442 Boom. of you have done so, and we really do appreciate it. And then we get a lot of content for the show from this page. So and thank you so much. it helps us get an idea of what you want covered, too. And if you, if you hear us, this would be another great use of the subreddit. Yep. If there's a story that has had a big update since we've last talked about it that you think is show-worthy, put it in there. Absolutely. If nothing else, there's a good chance we'll see it. Yep. Now, Chris, during the course of the week, hmm. you might be telling people about shows, maybe sure. live coverage of LinuxCon. That's true. We'll be doing some of that tomorrow, as a matter of Where fact. Where can people follow you for those instant updates? Do, 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 Twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. Wow, that's a neat. And by the way, look at that. You had uh, LinuxCon stream. Yes, and, sir. Uh, oh, yeah. Rest- you misspelled oh. Ferguson, by the way. Oh, did I? Yeah. I was I was doing it kind of quick because you just got here. Yeah, fair enough. You were here and I was like, oh, Chase is here. I got a tweet. Word. You can ask the chat room. Now, tweeting. Hmm. You do that? I do. Where do you do that at? I do that at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S on Twitter. Log yeah, in there? Yeah, okay. I'll need to log in real quick. But yeah, this is where you can follow me and you definitely want to follow me if you want to see all the cool stuff that's going to be happening with PAX Boom. next week. PAX. It's in our yes. backyard, everybody. Yes. Also, you could watch some of that PAX coverage in a couple of weeks over at GeekGamer.tv. Uh, we're going to be doing a Geek Gamer TV uh, preview on Sunday of our PAX coverage. We're going to get together. Bam. Big roundtable discussion. Um, and by the way, talking about next week, should we talk about next week? Oh, should we have? Yes. Yes, of course. There will not be an episode next week. We are, uh, unless something crazy happens because yeah. of PAX and my son going to school, we'll be taking next week off. More details for you supporters will post on the Patreon page. Yes, absolutely. But thank you so much for joining us, you guys. We'll see you back here in probably two weeks. Two weeks! Two weeks! Chris, uh, by the way, uh, I got some upgrades in my office today. You probably saw them. A lot of people did. If you're following me also on the Instagram, uh, I got a new window uh, put in my office. I don't know if you guys saw that, but uh, isn't that great? Look at that. Nice, dude. Nice. It's yeah, real, I know. I overlook, I overlook a parking lot, uh, but hopefully I'll be moving the uh, the office soon. And I'll be looking overlooking something else nicer. But yeah, I oh. get a parking lot right now. JBTitles.com, everybody. Let's boat. JBTitles.com. Everybody want to boat? Let's see. Boy, not a lot. Ouch. Maybe they were too busy listening. Ferguson Findings. It was a very, very good episode. But yes. You think so? Oh, yeah. No, I think it was very deep. And good. good. Uh, militarized World. Boy, I don't know. If th- I don't think I like any of them. JBTitles.com, JBTitles.com, JBTitles.com. Oh, no, look. No, we have some in the overfill here. Oh, cool. Not bad. United Police State. America the Divided. Police State of America. That's not bad. Mm. 
I think Ferguson really needs to be in the title. Yeah, you're right. Ferguson does. Has to be. <sighs> Textbook Obama, Freaky Ferguson, Patton Suck. That was uh, from a while ago. Uh, all right, so I think Ferguson does need to be in the title. Uh, locked down Ferguson, Police State Ferguson. Um, the Ferguson situation. No, I don't know. JBTitles.com, Banks just. I don't know, Chase. I don't know. That's tough. That's tough. Uh, hold on. Should I play the... Well, sometimes it helps if I play the intro. Um, boy, by the way, for you supporters, I have uh, John Oliver's last week. I got it. It was really good. There it is. What? Ferguson Police State. Good night, everybody. All right, that works. Ferguson Police State. I think that is it. Boom! <laughs> I just dropped the mic. I dropped the mic! <laughs> All right, I think we'll go with that. Everybody go boat, uh, and uh, don't forget, tomorrow morning we, uh, we'll have either a Tech Talk Today or LinuxCon live coverage, either or. So uh, tune in and find out. You'll just have to, you know, enjoy. And, it, and we'll have the mumble room open so we can do live commentary and really be jackasses. So that should be good. All right. Yeah. Should we get out of here? Are we going to go with Police State Ferguson? Is that good? Ferguson Police State. Ferguson Police State. Yeah, put Ferguson first. All right. Zombies like don't run Linux. That's true. That's true. Wait, What? What was that? What was that? You didn't know that? What 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 she say? Zombies don't run Linux. <laughs> you recognize really? that voice? No. Zombies don't run Linux. Oh wait, is that um is that uh Danica? That is. That is. Wow, I'm good. You are good. Wow. Yeah, you're good, Chase. Here, here's another here's a Hey, it's Danica Patrick. Enjoy this episode and use code Linux and save when you check out at godaddy.com. Yay! All right, so we're going to get out of here. We're going to go with uh, Ferguson Police State. Does she read anything you write? She I wrote, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should write. You know, I really like, <laughs> just get her to say something like What, Chase? What? I can't say that on the What, air. Chase? What were you going to say, Chase? I wish I could join him and Angela. So, uh, what? 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 All right, Around everybody. Hey, so we won't be here next week. It's just uh, it's going to be a crazy week. I'm uh, going to go to my kid's school. He's going to start school. That's what I'm going to be doing on Wednesday. Dude, your kid's getting old. I know. I'm getting old. Pretty soon he's so, going to be going to prom. If anything super crazy happens, we might try to squeeze out a supporter show. But otherwise, we'll be back next week. Regularly scheduled programs. Word. All that stuff. I'm dropping the mic. I'm out of here. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Kimmy collide with the traffic, Kimmy. Zombies don't run Linux. It's negative in the freedom dimension, and the value of this is negative. I can't cry for them too much. They're fools. This is egregious. Look up the moon one day. What happens to you is not sufficiently important to justify the wrong you're doing.